For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. The secret to healing the prostate is to cleanse the prostate and the liver. Call the prostate carrier herbs to ask about the prostate kit for a comprehensive way to heal and soothe your prostate. Educate yourself on how easy it can be to disinfect, cleanse, and restore your prostate glands. Call Apothecary Herbs for the prostate kit and successfully reduce swelling, inflammation, dissolve stones, and cleanse the blood to obtain the results you need. Money-back guarantee with every purchase. Call the experts in organ cleansing. Call Apothecary Herbs now for the prostate kit and empower yourself. Toll-free 866-229-3663 or international callers 704-875-8010. That's toll-free 866-229-3663 or visit the web at thepowerherbs.com. I'm your resident herbalist, Wendy Wilson. Hope you had a great day. We're here to empower you. That's what we like to do here on Herb Talk Live. Thanks for joining us on the American Voice Radio Network. Magical engineer Frank and I have a great show. We are going to be talking about gallbladder problems. And we've talked about gallbladders before, uh, but we got some new information about some medications that you might be aware of that could cause the gallbladder to have issues. Uh, Also, we're going to be touching on uh, liver cancer. And if we get time, a little bit of a prostate update for those of you that worried about prostate issues. We've got some tidbits we can, you know, touch on. We've talked about prostates too, but we all want to refresh those topics from time to time and keep you aware. And we have a quack report, but before we get to all that great stuff, big salute and semper fi to our righteous men and women in uniform, always lifting them up in prayer, praying that you all are hitting the knees and seeking the Lord's face every day. That's how you nurture a relationship, you know. It's constant in touch. Well, I was in my beautiful uh, journal. This is my um, uh, dedication journal that my children gave to me uh, for Mother's Day. And this is just a really sweet prayer. It's based on Acts 4 and John 16, and it goes like this. This is in my uh, devotional. If you want to go pick one up, you can get them at the bookstore. But anyway, it says, whenever you feel distant from me, whisper my name in loving trust. This simple prayer can restore your awareness of my presence. My name is constantly abused in the world, where people use it as a curse word. This verbal assault reaches all the way to heaven, 
Every word is heard and recorded. And when you trustingly whisper my name, my aching ears are soothed. The grating rancor of the world's blasphemies cannot compete with a trusting child's utterance, Jesus. The power of my name to bless both you and me is beyond your understanding. Amen to that. So uh, seek Lord's face, mind the time. Pray for righteousness and leadership in this land because we're going to need it. And without further ado, let's do the quack report. All right, Frank, thanks. Uh, first up in the quack report, psychiatrists are now prescribing antidepressants for uh, couples in marriage therapy. Oh. oh, yeah, being in an unhappy marriage can impact your daily life, make you depressed. So uh, depression and marital conflicts often go hand in hand, we're being told. And this is a vicious cycle. Not only will the unhappy relationship make you depressed, but being depressed can turn negatively impact your marriage relationship. So according to this new study that was published at Yale Journal of Biology and Medicine, psychiatrists today are opting for the easy way and prescribing a lot of antidepressants for their couples in therapy rather than addressing the cause of the problem. Because if you were if you were concerned enough to get depressed about it, you should be concerned enough to address it without kind of you know stuffing your feelings with a bunch of you know chemical medications. Now antidepressants have become the first line of treatment for a broad range of ailments and conditions, including both unhappy marriages now and also binge eating. So um, there was this review that was published in the Journal of the Annals of Internal Medicine. It found that Talk therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy, is an effective most um, is, is effective even uh, better than antidepressants, according to uh, their research. But you know what? It's even better than that. You know, seek the Lord's face and get in the Bible if you want to be undepressed. There you go. You just get in there. And uh, what is that? The family that prays together stays together. Mm-hmm. Totally believe that. A uh, little herb here and there can help you out. Instead of going to the drugs, try some valerian root. It'll just lift your mood a little. All right, moving along in the quack report. Oh, going to go to Morocco. A nurse over there was suspended from her job, and she's facing disciplinary action because she was protecting children from expired vaccines. You'd think she'd be applauded, but no, no. A nurse from northern Morocco refused to administer a large amount of vaccines to children in the rural health center at al Hosimia, and she stopped because she said the lots on the on the vaccines were expired and also she found that the uh, vaccines weren't stored properly in a, they were in an unsustainable environment and they weren't handled and, and stored properly at the right temperature which uh, can make the vaccines dangerous to be administered so on the 16th of june and on the 20th of june um, her name is Asara al Fai. I think that's how you pronounce it, Fai Fai. Anyway, she, she wrote some letters notifying the public officials about the potentially contaminated vaccines. And did she get a pat on the back? No. Her letters went ignored, but her supervisors verbally um, intimidated her. And uh, they and, and she if she was going to refuse to give the vaccines, they were going to um, 
send her to a disciplinary committee meeting and get punished. That's what she's going. So, um, uh, yeah, just, you know, just be compliant. Just, just, you know, we're pray, prayer protection over that nurse right there. Uh, last but not least in the crack report, um, dogs are suffering allergic reactions and even death by a popular vaccine made by Merck. Dog owners and veterinarian associations of the United Kingdom are warning about the rash and dangerous side effects of a popular vaccine for dogs. Uh, The disease in question is called lipoporosis, very mild. It's usually um, not even uh, a disease in the UK. Therefore, the vaccine is considered optional. It's mostly um, in and uh, you get it from infected urine from wild or domestic animals, most common in poor rural areas or tropical areas of Eastern Europe. So in the UK, it's not even not even an issue, really, and so it's optional. But they still sell a million doses of this stuff in the UK every year. If pet owners just, you know, figure, figure well, the vet wouldn't hurt my dog. <laughs> well... Uh, the World a Small Animal Veterinarian Association disagrees with the recommendations uh, on this uh, leptoporosis vaccine. It's called Nobavoric L4, and they say you shouldn't give it to uh, puppies younger than nine weeks, but the, um, the Animal Veterinarian Association says you shouldn't even give it to pets that are younger than 12 weeks. Uh, because of adverse reactions, some of the reactions over 2,000 reports of serious adverse effects of seizure, immune system failure, and 120 deaths. So, um, give you pause, shouldn't it? We did a show on vaccines and pets. If you missed it, go to the archives and check it out. Here in America, same problem. Got a problem. And that wraps the quack report. Thank you, Frank. Okay, so archives are on AmericanVoiceRadio.com and also at PowerHerbs.com. Just click on the archive area. The shows are all listed by date and topic, so you can check it out. All right, we're going to jump right on in to the gallbladder problem. Do you have a gallbladder problem? Do you know somebody that does? Do you know somebody maybe at work that's been complaining when they eat, they get indigestion or a little twinge on their right side? Maybe a relative complains of that. Well, according to the U.S. National Library of Medicine, National Institute of Health, gallbladder disease is very common. Also, very lucrative business for modern medicine, netting them $5 billion annually. So some of the reason, reasons gallbladder disease is so common, they say, is obesity and the metabolic syndrome epidemic. So the likelihood that adolescents developing gallbladder disease, well, that was once considered rare, but that's also on the rise. Younger people are getting gallbladder problems. So gallbladder cancer is also more prevalent. All right, so most patients will be referred to a gastroenterologist to be diagnosed with gallbladder disease, maybe requiring possible surgery. So we're going to take a look at this very common problem where 20% of the U.S. population, that's 1 million diagnosed cases every year of gallbladder disease. So we're going to see what, uh, we're going to seek out what medical intervention does and maybe how we can avoid that whole risk entirely. Okay. 
Um, it is a global problem. It's not just a U.S. problem. The countries that report a rise in gallbladder disease are the United States, Chile, Sweden, Germany, and Austria. So here is a clue that it is really a lifestyle-type disease. In Arizona, 70% of the Pima Indian women have gallstones by the age of 30. And there is almost no gallbladder disease among Asians, and there is zero gallbladder disease in East Africa among the Massey people. So more women than men develop gallbladder disease, and the average age is about 54. Okay? But younger people are getting it. All right, let's look at the symptom. If you've got a sick organ, uh, we've, we've talked about symptoms before, but um, we've, we've uh, covered the gallbladder before and the symptoms. Um, if there's a problem, this, the symptoms will progressively get worse regardless of you eating a meal. So you do not want to let this go untreated. Uh, so you want to use common sense. So in most cases, when the gallbladder is producing symptoms, it is congested with sludge or stones, and that sludge could be mucus, uh, fungus, whatever. I mean, if you've been to an autopsy, you know all kinds of nonsense can be in there. So um, all this stuff, though, can be flushed out, especially if the stones aren't too large. And if you're worried about that, you can have an ultrasound done to determine the size of the stones, preferably smaller than a gabonzo bean, um, and you want to make sure none of them are stuck in the bile duct. Okay. Sometimes they can get stuck in the bile duct and grow elongated, like like the right along the size of the duct, and that's very dangerous. So, but here's some of the symptoms: uh, pain in the upper right side of the abdomen under the rib uh, becomes persistent as the condition worsens. Uh, back pain between your shoulder blades, pain on the right shoulder. Uh, uh, you can have a shooting pain over the shoulder too. Also, nausea and vomiting abdominal bloating, indigestion, gas and belching, sweating and chills, low-grade fever, yellow color to the skin or eyes, and clay, clay-colored stool. So it's almost like the stool looks white because let me tell you, your liver's involved in this mess because your liver and your gallbladder work in tandem together, and when your stool has that color, it means the liver's affected as well. All right, let's look at the surgery, uh, people just go get the gallbladder surgery. It's just easy. Oh, no problem. Well, let's take a look. In the 1990s, the laparoscopic surgery was new kind of surgery used to remove gallbladders. Approximately 600,000 gallbladder surgeries were being done each year, and the laparoscopic technique was nicknamed by surgeons lap and it's short for laparoscopic chol. It's called cholecholeistectomy. Can you say that three times fast? Okay, but they just nicknamed it lapchali for laparoscopic. So today, surgeons consider the gallbladder as an, quote, expendable organ, right up there with your tonsils and your appendix. So they do 800,000 surgeries per year. And according to Dr. Pat Bass III, the laparoscopic procedure increased the number of gallbladder removals and increased health care costs. Now, according, you probably wonder, well, how much does it cost for them to take out 
your gallbladder. I mean, laparoscopic, you're not even in the hospital overnight. It's kind of outpatient, right? Well, according to clearhealth.com, the cost of gallbladder surgery can reach $95,000. So now just over 12 hours at the hospital, that means your gallbladder removal will cost you about $3,700 an hour. That's what they're going to charge you. That's insane. So if you happen now to live in Mesa, Arizona, the gallbladder surgery, to be more precise, costs $94,897 if you have insurance. Or uh, $14,223 if you're self-pay. Well, let's just think about that now. 95 versus 14. Hmm. Okay, so some hospitals offer a 30-day prompt pay discount of 40%. That's if, you know, within 30 days you pay it off, give you a discount. So there's some concern that the ease of the procedure really has increased the number of unnecessary gallbladder surgeries. So the procedure is really not to be performed on patients with an inflamed gallbladder or if there is gallstones in the bile duct. Now, in such cases, surgeons have to revert to the standard procedure of the uh, chococholestectomy procedure, and patients being counseled by their doctors about gallbladder surgery are advised that the bile will flow from the liver directly to the bile duct instead of the gallbladder once it's removed. People go, oh, okay. There's a problem here. That's not how your plumbing was hooked up. Okay, so the gallbladder would actually store the bile in between meals, but once it's removed, that's not possible. So doctors tell patients this will have really no effect on digestion. Uh, They are told that the laparoscopic surgery to remove the organ offers few, if any, complications, and patients are told that they can resume their normal life routine within about seven days after surgery. Uh-huh. Well, gallbladder surgery is used to treat gallstones, but even after the organ is removed, patients can still develop gallstones, but this time they'll develop in the bile duct. All right, let's look at the risks of the surgery. So patients are told that overall the surgery risk is low with gallbladder removal and they're going to get their lives back afterward, you know, tap you on the shoulder and say, don't worry about it, we'll take care of you. Well, doctors who are honest are going to let patients know that there is risk, risk to exist with any surgery and gallbladder surgery is no different. So at the University of Edinburgh in the UK, they actually studied the risks of this surgery and they were published in the 2012 British Medical Journal. So in the UK, they have that socialized health care, and uh, not all their facilities over there are as well equipped for this surgery, um, and they do about six, 60,000 um, uh, gallbladder removals a year in that country. So they reported that the risk of complications is higher for the elderly as they normally have other health problems, and the risk is higher for heart patients And for patients in general, if the procedure is done at a facility which doesn't really perform a high volume of gallbladder surgery. So the general risks for gallbladder surgery are infection, internal bleeding, 
injury to the bile duct, injury to the small intestine, anesthesia risks, gallstones left in the abdominal cavity, a bile leak into the abdominal cavity, and rare injury to blood vessels, which would lead to your heart and liver. And lastly, injury to the liver by an unintended cut. All right, so what happens? What happens after the surgery? Well, most patients are not prepared for this life-changing effect of not having their gallbladder. They're just not prepared. They're not told everything. You know, remember, I keep telling you, when you talk to these people in healthcare, it's like talking to the government. They don't volunteer information. You've got to ask specifically before you get those answers. So since uh, there's no gallbladder to store the bile from the liver, the bile is constantly dripping into the intestines through the bile duct. So the purpose of the bladder was to store enough bile to help you digest fatty food. So patients find that they can't eat fatty foods without digestive discomfort, diarrhea, bloating, nausea, indigestion, and pain. So without adequate bile, you can't digest fats and convert them to nutrients for the body. And that also includes your antioxidants in vegetables, which are fat-soluble. So without the gallbladder, you won't be able to absorb many important nutritional compounds. And that includes trying to digest supplement pills. So now I've often said that the liver and the gallbladder work in tandem. And if the liver is not healthy, it's going to encourage the likelihood of gallbladder stones and sludge. So people these days, you know, like to post their experiences online. And on the patient.info blog, patients have posted their experience of having their gallbladder surgery and how their recovery is going. So uh, many have remained in pain, unable to return to their normal life. And I want to give you one example. This was, um, this was posted by uh, a re- person recovering by the name of Kay. She says, I had my gallbladder removed seven weeks ago. I had a laparoscopic removal, but was in so much pain they had to give me an epidural. And since the operation, I have been in pain, feel sick, can't eat. I experience excruciating pain up to an hour after eating food. And if I lie down in the same position for too long and then stand up, it brings on the pain too. And I have a bile taste in my mouth and excessive sweating and fatigue. I experienced this several times a day. Now I'm told I may need to have a stint put into my bile duct. Since the operation, my life is a complete mess. End of quote. Well, she didn't get all her information, did she? Well, and I know sometimes it's an emergency, right? Got to make the best of it, but we're going to helpfully show you how to avoid the emergency. All right, now, what could possibly, other than lifestyle, bring on sludge buildup in the gallbladder? Well, modern medicine says it's your lifestyle that your gallbladder malfunctions, but other factors that the organ fails is due to prescription medications. And these medications increase the risk of liver and gallbladder disease. Crohn's disease, and destruction of red blood cells. So here's a brief list. Uh, This is an antibiotic called 
roceftin, or it could be called ceftazoxone. Anyway, it's an antibiotic that they normally prescribe for pneumonia, ear infections, skin infections, urinary tract infections, gonorrhea, pelvic inflammation, sepsis, bone or joint infections, abdominal infections, and meningitis. So the side effects warn of a biliary sludge and gallstones in the gallbladder, among other things. Another drug that you want to watch out for is an injectable hormone blocker called octrotide, and it's prescribed for tumors and conditions of watery diarrhea. So the drug can negatively affect the gallbladder, the liver, the stomach, the cardiovascular, and the pulmonary system. Another drug is a diuretic called thiazide. It's used for hypertension and congestive heart failure, and it causes liver dysfunction and it affects the gallbladder. And lastly, peritoneal nutrition, which is nutrition administered to the body other than by the digestive system. Sometimes it's given through an IV, but this increases the gallbladder sludge and also the likelihood of stones by 100% if you're given this uh, feeding by an IV longer than six weeks. All right, so we're going to get to the nitty-gritty here. And we're going to get to the proactive area of the show, which you can sidestep all this nonsense, right? And take care of your body that you were born with. We're going to talk about cleansing the gallbladder. It's a, a doable thing, and it's not expensive. Now, a majority of people do not know that they can avoid many of the internal medicine diseases, such as gallbladder disease, with some routine organ cleansing. Now, on a daily basis, we need to be very selective on what we eat and drink because that can affect our health. But foods tend to be nutritional, and herbs that you use in your cleanses are medicinal. Now, so your herbs are classified by the FDA as food, and in other countries, they're considered therapeutics. So medicinal herbs have the power to move bodily fluids, draw out impurities, soothe irritated tissue, remove debris quickly, stimulate nerve endings, or calm them down, improve immune system function, speed up tissue and organ regeneration, remove blockages, expel parasites, flush out stones, and more. That's right. So medicinal herbs help the body to restore balance. And the key is to use your powerful herbs and not neglect them, or you can run the risk of conditions becoming acute, and then you're going to require the surgical intervention. So we want to be smart while using our powerful herbal tool and not re-congest our system with unhealthy lifestyles. So we have enough toxins in the environment to worry about and to cleanse away. We don't need to add to them. So think of cleansing as a maintenance plan to help you avoid toxic drugs, risky surgery, and premature death. Taking a break. We'll be right back.
breathing life into the original medicine. Herbalist Wendy Wilson will be right back. As men get older, they are subject to hormone imbalance. And when this happens, men can experience osteoporosis, memory loss, irritability, blood sugar imbalance, weight gain, enlarged prostate, erectile dysfunction, and risk of stroke. The human endocrine system manufactures hormones. Why not feed your system plant nutrition to make the hormones that are right for you? For centuries, these herbs have been used to balance the male hormone system. Men, you've waited long enough for the male hormone formula. Call Apothecary Herbs toll-free, 866-229-3663 for the male hormone formula. 866-229-3663 or online at thepowerherbs.com. 866-229-3663 where your healthcare options just became endless. 007, your assignment is to find out what herb secrets herbalist Wendy Wilson has on Herb Talk Live. Pandemics will be a part of our future. The question is, how do we protect ourselves? Are you willing to put your trust in untested vaccine, hoping it kills mutating viruses? Remember, in 1976, health officials tried to inoculate Americans with swine flu, and there was a 300% death rate for those inoculated, and millions were paid out in damages. God gave you a sophisticated immune system, and in times of need, you can make it 10 times stronger. So there's no need to panic. Just get prepared. Call Apothecary Herbs to order your upgraded pandemic kit. You will have eight professional strength formulas offering broad-spectrum immune-boosting protection. Take a stand. Have a plan. Have peace and request your pandemic kit today. Call Apothecary Herbs toll-free, 866-229-3663, or online, thepowerherbs.com. That's 866-229-3663, or thepowerherbs.com. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. thought thyme herb provided strength. Indeed, the chemical compounds of thyme contain antioxidants, an effective germicide that kills whooping cough bacteria and makes breathing easier. Just imagine what you can do with thyme herb when it comes to respiratory ailments like croup, pneumonia, asthma, and sinusitis. The extra benefit of thyme herb is that it soothes the nerves and stops spasmodic coughing, so you can get some rest. Who says you don't have time to take care of yourself? Call Apothecary Herbs toll-free for time tincture NT to soothe your cough and get some rest. 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International 704-875-8010 or online at thepowerherbs.com.
up our gallbladder topic and moving on to liver cancer here. You know, we were talking about right before the break how you can cleanse the gallbladder and flush out stones. Um, There's several herbs that help you restore the liver and the gallbladder to normal function and help flush away all that debris, the stones and the sludge. And if you think your risk of cancer is a factor, well, then I would just add some dandelion root, you know. So many... Many of my favorite herbs uh, for this are milk thistle, uh, the, the liver loves that, uh, barberry bark for the gallbladder, and these herbs help actually stop gallbladder spasms and reduce the pain. And pain it will indicate the gallbladder is congested and it needs to be flushed. Okay, so if, uh, there's, uh, if, if there are no severe gallbladder symptoms, and you don't think you have stones uh, to flush out, then you can actually do a step-down cleanse for just maintenance purposes, just to kind of, you know, tone the organs up. It's gentle and effective, and it tones and regenerates the organs. So you can call the experts in organ cleansing. Call Apothecary Herbs. They have a complete line of organ cleansing products that you can buy individually or in kit packages. And you want to ask about their liver detox tea, the liver gallbladder tincture, the milk thistle, of course, the barberry bark tinctures. And uh, remember now, the the liver and the gallbladder uh, send their impurities to the bowel and urinary tract to exit the body. So you want to be sure and ask about the cleanses to cleanse the bowel and the urinary so you can facilitate this free flow of toxins out of the body and reduce reabsorbing them when you flush that gallbladder, okay? Makes it so much easier when you have clean organs to accept that and uh, you won't reabsorb. Because if you start reabsorbing some toxins, it'll make you feel sick. So we don't want you to feel sick. So you want to call Apothecary Herbs. they the experts in organ cleansing for over 16 years. Their number is 866-229-3663. 866-229-3663. If you're outside the U.S., dial 704 704- 885-0277 or visit them online at thepowerherbs.com thepowerherbs.com where you will discover your power and healthcare options just became endless. Also they have a um, free catalog so you can ask for that and they have money saving coupons there on the website as well so you can uh, get your cleanses and save money deal. Deal, deal. Lots. If you get the right tools and instruction. It is amazing what you can accomplish. All right, we're going to shift gears, and we're going to go over to the liver cancer. Uh, Of course, uh, liver cancer is on the rise. Majority of of it's due to um, sometimes emotional trauma or a drug culture or even poor diet. 
So there are like 24,000 new cases each year in the United States, about 18,000 deaths a year as well. And the statistics are telling us that more men than women get liver cancer. So more women get the gallbladder stones and the gallbladder surgery, and more men have the liver cancer. Um, they say more African-Americans uh, will die from the liver cancer um, than Caucasians. Interestingly, Asian-Americans die of liver cancer at a much higher rate than Hispanics. And uh, if you get liver cancer, and uh, let's say you're a white male, your survival rate, if you go to your doctor, is about five years or roughly 7%. I'm just telling you what the stats are saying. Uh, African-Americans who have five years um, to live and 5% rate of survival, because uh, if you get a lot of complications in there, sometimes uh, there's HIV issues. Uh, if you have autoimmune disease, uh, then that survival rate really drops through the floor. Now, the average age that someone is diagnosed with liver cancer is about 55, and 20% of the cases, uh, people are over the age of 45, so just a little bit younger. And the average uh, lifespan, if you get diagnosed with liver disease, um, you may live 16 years, may. So that's usually the average. So liver cancer can be hard to diagnose because there are very few symptoms. And when it is diagnosed, it's generally in an advanced stage. So we don't want that. Therefore, liver cancer is one of those top three causes of death by cancer um, uh, in Africa and Asia and the fourth leading cause of cancer worldwide for men, okay? There seems to be a couple of types. There are two types of categories your liver cancer can fall into, can fall into the primary or a secondary category. The primary form of cancer is in the liver tissue itself. The secondary form is the cancer spreads to the liver from another part of the body. Now, primary liver cancer accounts for about 70 to 85% of the liver cancer cases. Worldwide, about 660,000 cases of liver cancer per year. Um, China accounts for about 55% of those global cases. Well, no doubt. Have you seen their air pollution? Oof. All right. Um, currently, one-third of the world's total population, about 2 billion, is affected by hepatitis B. And over 1 million die every year, about 2,500 people a day, or 2,800 people a day, or 115 people an hour from hepatitis B. It is very easy to contract the virus. Symptoms are similar to flu, fever, fatigue, joint and muscle pain, loss of appetite, nausea, vomiting, jaundice, little yellowing of the eyes and skin. Um, that's the difference between that and the flu. Now, the medical treatment for hepatitis is a vaccine. Hepatitis C can also cause liver cancer. About 78% of the cases are from hepatitis infections. So what are these treatments? Well, uh, liver cancer is one of the most fatal diseases, and there are very few non-surgical treatments available. So your choices are going to be surgery, chemotherapy, radiation therapy, and precutaneous ethanol injections, which is an alcohol solution injected through the skin into the tumor that's in your liver to hopefully kill the cancer cells. And the radiation and chemo are in effect uh, for the primary cancer, uh, type of cancer for the liver. 
And then there's the surgery to resection the liver to um, take out damaged areas or even a liver transplant. So this is modern medicine solution for the liver being sick. So a majority of the patients, if they have their primary liver cancer, um, have cancer spreading to adjacent blood vessels and organs, lymph nodes, um, they typically tend to be eligible for a liver transplant if the cancer originally started in the liver. So if you want to know why more people die of the liver cancer um, in developing countries, um, the liver transplant cost is $523,400. And that's just for a five-day hospital stay after surgery. Um, So the remaining cost of medications, which would be your immune suppressant drugs for life, about $21,000 a year just for those drugs. Wow. Well, let's go over some natural healing then. Let's go look at our options. What do we do when you have a sick liver? You want to remember that the first law of natural healing is you open up the elimination channel so the body can dump toxicity, clean up the bowel, and you clean up the liver. Remember, we just talked about gallbladders that will dump. Liver and gallbladder debris goes to the bowel, so you've got to make sure that bowel's clean. So you would do a bowel cleanse. I would if I were in that in those shoes. Uh, so you want those elimination channels clean and opening and free-flowing. Uh, so those are the two areas that really need a lot of work, uh, cleansing. Uh, the bowel cleansing and the liver flushes and the gallbladder flushes definitely would need to be done um, frequently. And when you have liver cancer, guess what? Garlic actually helps. A lot. You start with one clove a day and you work your way up to several cloves and you want to use some olive oil. Olive oil helps flush stones out of the gallbladder, helps them slide out through the um, valve duct and so they don't get stuck. So you can even uh, do a gallbladder flush um, with your liver cleansing uh, because those two areas work together. So you use barberry bark with your garlic and your olive oil, and your milk thistle. And uh, you get complete instructions on how to do that. Um, and, but if you don't have gallbladder stones, you wouldn't have to do that as a flush. Um, you would use the uh, liver detox tea, and you use liver gallbladder tincture combo, and it's a bit gentler, but still effective. Uh, so this is going to help get a lot of that junk out of the gallbladder, purge a lot of those toxins out that get stuck in there. See, because the because the liver can't dump toxins. The liver is supposed to purge dead red blood cells. Uh, it's supposed to purge, um, you know, any kind of toxicity it's had to neutralize with its enzymes. And it's supposed to, you know, purge uh, unnecessary hormones and cholesterol and sugars. So the liver's got a lot of jobs to do. So we have to take care of it. Uh, so normally the liver cleanses the blood dumps the waste material into the gallbladder, and the gallbladder uh, tends to dump, dump those into the uh, bowel area to re- be removed by the body. So for severe cases of liver cancer, you may have to do a gallbladder liver flush uh, for several days, maybe five days in a row. And when mucus and congestive matter start coming out, it lifts the burden off the liver and the gallbladder. And so you may have a lot of mucus, a lot of debris coming out. Sometimes um, 
it can look like strands of rubber or solid pieces of tissue. And people get all crazy when that happens. But um, this is just dead tissue slothing off that you don't need. And um, some people have, have described it as, forgive me if anybody's eating. I don't mean to gross anybody out. But it could look like pieces of chicken meat. Yeah. And um, when all that comes out, a lot of swelling and pressure and pain go away. Believe you me. And uh, if you got liver tumors, they'll start shrinking and the body's able to. But I would definitely use my dandelion root, uh, maybe some chaparral as a little booster, you know, a little short burst of that. These are like, and uh, obviously no, uh, nitrilocide, uh, vitamin B17, these are all anti-cancer types of nutrients and help the body fight that. I would also, in addition to the organ cleansing, I would do a lot of juice flushing with vegetables and citrus juices. These are live enzymes going into the body. And when you don't have to eat a lot of solid food, it, it takes a lot of energy that normally the body would use to digesting and it goes towards healing. So you want to eat a bit lighter, but pump in the super live enzymes. Um, I, what I do is I add a um, powdered vitamin mineral vegetable plant mix with protein, plant protein called body food, and I just throw it in the juice, and it gives the body stamina. It gives it a lot of energy and nutrition, and those are the building blocks of regeneration. So you need that. Another thing you could do, because when you have stuff, really serious conditions, whether it's cancer, immune system collapse, uh, nervous system disorders, you really need to do some natural therapies all day, whatever it is, juice flushing, massage, uh, hot and cold uh, therapy, uh, your cleansing, um, you know, a little bit of exercise. Uh, so you're doing some sort of natural therapy, um, skin brushing, uh, but another therapy you could use is the cold sheet treatment. It helps to fast track toxins right out of the body through the skin. Um, and so you need, you could do this at home, but you need some help when you do it. And it is a therapy that I mentioned in my book called The Power Herbs. And if you don't have a copy, you can go to the powerherbs.com website and you can download this book and you can pick the format that you want because it comes in three different formats. So be careful. Look at the drop dropdown um, because I think the default is a PDF format, but it comes in PDF, Kindle, and iPad. And... Um, and it, you can load it onto your device or onto your computer, and you can and you can has a, an index, table of contents, uh, reference sections, and you can find what you need quickly in there. So the cold sheet treatment is listed, and it's a very nice therapy. It's a one of those therapies they use over in European um, clinics and spas, and um, it really lifts also a lot of toxicity that. Um, uh, it seems to be associated with dependency issues, whether it's um, a dependency on tobacco, um, drugs, alcohol, uh, that kind of thing. So um, it lifts also a lot of emotional burden off the system because a lot of people don't realize their emotions are chemicals in the body. And so um, it helps balance a lot of those chemicals. So I think depression, anxiety, also big reliever. So very simple procedure to do. Um, you just need one assistant to help you, and it's called the cold sheet treatment, and it's very cool. All right, um, so we talked about the bowel cleansing, and we talked about 
the juice flushing. Oh, castor oil packs. That's another thing you could do. Castor oil packs are really easy to do. Um, what you do is you get some castor oil and you warm it, but you don't boil it. And I usually take an old T-shirt that I don't care about or anything cotton that you don't care about, maybe a washcloth. And because, you know, you're going to put it in the castor oil and then wring it out and put it over the area that's uh, affected by uh, the cancer. And what castor oil does is it draws and it draws a lot of, again, impurities right out through the skin. And you could do this while you're, you know, watching uh, TV, uh, resting in the afternoon and do it for like 15, 20 minutes. And uh, it's amazing. It's also in my book, uh, thepowerherbs.com, so you can check that out there. So uh, you can look for all your cleanses at thepowerherbs.com. They come with a complete instructions and product support. So thepowerherbs.com, give them a call if you're interested in learning how to do cleansing. And now you can do cleansing even if you don't have a serious issue. Uh, it's called maintenance. You're getting toxicity out so that the body can regenerate and heal and stay balanced. So it's sort of like, you know, you change the oil in your car, you change the filters out of the furnace, Cleansing is kind of along those same principles. You're maintaining your body. So thepowerherbs.com, check it out. Or you can give them a call at 866-229-3663. 866-229-3663. If you're outside the U.S., 704-885-0277, 704-885-0277, international number, and get empowered, you know. You can sidestep a, a lot of problems down the road. All right, so we're going to be talking about uh, protecting ourselves from more cancer. Um, prostate comes up a lot. People will worry about their prostates uh, out there. I get a lot of calls on that. Prostate cancer, huge concern for men. Um, one of those calls we get frequently at thepowerherbs.com. Now, I understand there there's concern because of um, the medical community is publishing a lot on prostate health. For instance, prostate cancer is the most common cancer among men, um, excluding skin cancer. So the American Cancer Society estimates that 220,000 new cases of prostate cancer are going to be diagnosed each year. So 70% of the men are going to be hmm, over the age of 60. So if your father, your brother, your uncle had prostate disease, well, your risk increases another 5 to 10% if it's in the family. Now, American Cancer Society is stating that the more prostate disease that appears in your family tree, your risk factor will jump up with each victim. So in 2007, they estimated about 28,000 deaths in the U.S. from prostate cancer. So for every man that's diagnosed with prostate cancer, 99% survive about five years. 93 percent survive about 10 years and 77 percent survive 15 years so all the men are at risk of prostate disease as they get older we're told and uh, african americans have the higher incidence rate about 60 percent twice the mortality rate compared to caucasian men so the cancer for health statistics stated that approximately 7,000 men in New Jersey, where you're diagnosed with prostate cancer, of which 1,000 died, for some reason, New Jersey is one of the highest prostate cancer capitals here in the nation. I don't know what's up with Jersey, but what are the causes? Well, modern medicine attributes the prostate disease 
to genetics, you know, family tree again, and how you live your life, your lifestyle. Lifestyles, which include a lot of animal fats, inactivity, you know, sedentary lifestyle, and a contributing factor to the disease. And medical community advocates um, say regular physical exercise, eating more fruits and vegetables, getting lots of vitamin E and selenium supplements with uh, getting all that going can actually lower your risk of getting prostate cancer. But I'm going to show you how to lower it to, like, zero. All right. Some of the symptoms. Um, Well, usually early prostate disease may not produce much of a symptom, but surrounding prostate, you have the urinary tubes, which carry urine away from the bladder and out of the body. So that could be affected. Uh, uh, the prostate should be the size of a walnut, but it grows larger as man ages. If it gets too large, it can invite cancer, and you can have trouble urinating, or um, you may urinate too often, have an urgency issue, have to get up several times a night. Um, so other symptoms could be pain or burning during urination, blood in the urine or semen, back, hip, or pelvic pain, as well as painful ejaculation. Unfortunately, these symptoms are all too common for men over 50, according to the National Institute on Aging. And you just don't want to let this stuff go. You know, you just don't. Uh, Modern medicine is going to offer you drugs and surgery. Um, And, of course, we've heard recently on the uh, PSA levels for the um, tests, they give prostate exams and tests, that they're not very helpful and may make matters worse for folks. So you want to do your homework on those. Uh, Of course, urologists are always going to push the biopsy, but then again, I wouldn't go there. Uh, Biopsy can cost around uh, $1,200. And doctors like to confirm that the tissue is cancerous. Um, But then what are you going to do? They're going to push you to get radiation and chemo, maybe even surgery, um, hormone replacement therapies. Now, you want to be careful and make sure that your cancer is not hormone-dependent uh, because if you take anything, whether it's drug or herb-related to uh, uh, that encourages hormones, uh, it'll feed the cancer, so you want to be real careful there. Now, it's real important to ask those questions regarding surgery. You should ask about the risks and procedures. 1% of men die from prostate surgery. And some complications from the surgery are deep venous thrombosis or leg clots may increase the risk of stroke and heart attack and death. Now, um, there's also a high post-surgery. Um, you, you may, you, you may uh, have a herniated disc if you lift things, so you can't be lifting heavy things. Um, and, and you can also have problems with the connection between the bladder and the urethra, and you could have long-term complications, may have to be using catheters and things like this. So you definitely want to do all your homework before you make any decisions regarding that. I know, I'm running out of time, so here we gotta, we got to get to the, the natural way. Um, I like to use the male herbs for the prostate, and uh, we use um, not just the, you know, saw palmetto and uh, uh, the hawthorn, and we don't just use, you know, cleavers. Or, we use thuja, we use everything. We use everything that helps the male reproductive area. So if you look at the PowerHerbs.com website and you click on Just for Men, there is a prostate kit there. And if you are using it just for maintenance reasons, great. If you're using it for a clinical reason, 
well, then you're going to have a range of doses. And so if you have moderate to severe prostate issues, you're going to have to use the high-end doses in the herbal supplement in this kit. So it's a liquid and a tea. Use them in together, and it's very easy to do. It's, a, it's enough for about a two-week cleanse of the prostate. So you can check that out at thepowerherbs.com for about 68 bucks. You can probably relieve a lot of pressure, discomfort, and maybe sidestep surgery. Mm-hmm. So check that out, thepowerherbs.com. And you can cleanse as often as once a month if it's just maintenance, more often if you seem to have a serious problem. So uh, check that out, thepowerherbs.com. Don't forget, cleanse that bowel. Congested bowels can put a lot of prostate on uh, pressure on the prostate. So you want to cleanse that bowel as well. Thepowerherbs.com. Discover your power and where your health care options just became endless. 866-229-3663. I'm out of time. Well, the information presented is not intended to diagnose, treat, prevent, or cure disease, so seek medical advice from a licensed medical physician before using any product or therapy. I'm your herbalist, Wendy Wilson. Until next time, be well. Political, religious, and medical views presented on various shows heard on American Voice Radio Network are not necessarily the views held by the management of American Voice Radio and are not presented as an endorsement by this network. All statements heard on American Voice Radio are the sole responsibility and opinion of those who speak the particular statement. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. 
Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. AVR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. Good evening and welcome to the Covenanters Call. This is Pastor Mike Hoover, and we are broadcasting live from southern Indiana this evening. We are a Bible call-in question and answer program. If you'd like to add to the program this evening, give us a call here at American Voice Radio. That number is 1-800-932-1980. 1-800-932-1980. Or give us a call on the local number, 541-826-89. Oh, excuse me. 541-826-0953, Five four one eight two six zero nine five three, and uh, we'd love to hear from you. Come on into the chat room. There's about a half a dozen of us in there. Uh, some rip roaring conversation going to be taking place here real, real soon, and uh, we'd love to have you become a part of that as well. I'd uh, love to hear from you this week. We'll give that contact information a little bit later on, and uh, trust that uh, we will hear from you. But I'd like to get right into the meat of our message from last Tuesday. Last Tuesday. We shared with you some things concerning the American flag 
that most people don't realize it represents. And if you're interested, um, it has been archived here on the Broadcasting Network last week's uh, program. You can get that, and that program and this program will go together. And uh, we want to take this evening and continue. I started sharing with you in the second half of the broadcast on last Tuesday night a message from a preacher friend of mine. And I uh, didn't give his name, but uh, if you'd like to know who he is or if you'd like a copy of the message, be glad to show it to you. But we're sharing this with you in order that you might understand that there are other flags out there that people don't understand as well. Uh, I was out with another preacher friend of mine just this week. We were over in one of the towns here in southern Orange County and uh, going through some antiques, and he called me over to a booth, and he, he held something up, and I looked at it, and it was a Confederate flag, the Stars and Bars. It was being sold there as an antique. Have you noticed how recently in the last several years, really in the last six, eight, ten months, our people, our society are doing their best to try and remove that flag um, from your eyeballs. Pretty soon it's going to be something of the past. You probably won't even be able to read about it in your history books. But we began talking on last Tuesday and sharing this message about the Confederate battle flag. Now, I want you to listen very carefully, and I challenge you to check out the history of this. You say, what in the world does this have to do with a, a, a Christian uh, historic Baptist Bible broadcast here on American Voice Radio? Well, I believe you'll see that as we continue on. You see, as I said last Tuesday night, the Confederate battle flag is not a racist symbol, and it never has been. One of the favorite stories that's been heard is about a black representative by the name of John F. Harris, who was a legislator in Washington County, Mississippi. He had the opportunity to vote for Senate Bill Number 25, which was a bill to erect a Confederate monument on the Capitol Square in Jackson, Mississippi. Now, the bill did pass, and Mr. Harris, who was sick and got out of his bed to give his speech before the Senate, did so. And on February the 23rd, 1980, or excuse me, 1890, the Daily Clarion Ledger of Jackson, Mississippi, printed his speech in full. Now, let me read you a portion of it. He said, and I quote, Mr. Speaker, I have arisen here in my place to offer a few words on the bill. I've come from a sick bed. Perhaps it was not prudent for me to come, but, sir, I could not rest quietly in my room without contributing a few remarks of my own. I was sorry to hear the speech of the young gentleman from Marshall County. I'm sorry that any son of a soldier should go on record as opposed to the erection of a monument in honor of their brave dead. And, sir... I am convinced that had he seen what I saw at Seven Pines and in the seven days of fighting around Richmond, the battlefield covered with the mangled forms of those who fought for their country and for their country's honor, he would not have made such a speech. When the news came that the South had been invaded, those men went forth to fight for what they believed, and they made no requests for monuments, but they died and their virtues should be remembered. Sir, I went with them. I, too, wore the gray, the same color my master wore. We stayed four long years, and if that war had gone on until now, I would have been there yet. I want to honor those brave men who died for their convictions. When my mother died, I was a boy. 
Who, sir, then acted the part of a mother to an orphan slave boy but my old missus? Was she living now or could speak to me from those high realms where gathered the sainted dead? She would tell me to vote for this bill, and, sir, I shall vote for it. I want it known to all the world that my vote is given in honor of a bill to erect a monument in honor of the Confederate dead. Here was a man, a black man, who wrote the con- wore the Confederate gray, and he understood the war was not a racist war. Now, let me tell you, the Confederate flag is not a racist flag. But now, wait. If you want racism, if you want hatred, if you want white supremacy, I'll tell you where to find it. Under the Stars and Stripes, the U.S. flag, not under the Confederate flag. Do you realize the Emancipation Proclamation was signed on January 1, 1863? On August 14, 1862, less than five months before the Emancipation Proclamation was signed, Abraham Lincoln invited a number of leading blacks to the White House to give them his words of wisdom and to demonstrate to them why he was attempting to colonize them back in Africa. By the way, Lincoln's Negro policy was to send them all back to Africa. That was his policy. William Seward, William Stanton, all of them wanted the same thing. And so he invited these Negroes to come to the White House to hear his words of wisdom, and I'm quoting verbatim what Lincoln said. Listen carefully. He said, and I quote, Why should people of your race be colonized, and where? Why should they leave this country? This is perhaps the first question for proper consideration. You and we are different races. We have between us a broader difference than exists between almost any other two races. Whether it is right or wrong, I need not discuss. But this physical difference is a great disadvantage to both of us, as I think. Your race suffers very greatly, many of them by living among us, while ours suffers from your presence. In a word, we suffer on each side. If this is admitted, it affords a reason at least why we should be separated. You are free men here, I suppose. Perhaps you've been long free all of your lives. Your race is suffering, in my judgment, the greatest wrong inflicted on any people. But when you cease to be slaves, you are yet far removed from being on an equality with the white race. The aspiration of men is to enjoy equality with the best when free, but on this broad continent, not a single man of your race is made the equal of a single white man of our race. End of quote. That was Abraham Lincoln. Now let me translate that for you. Blacks aren't equal to whites, never will be. This is what he just got through saying. Listen to what Lincoln said in a speech in Charleston, Illinois, 1858. Lincoln said, and I quote, I am not now nor have ever been in favor of bringing about in any way the social or political equality of the white and black races. I am not now nor ever have been in favor of making voters or jurors of Negroes, nor of qualifying them to hold office, nor of intermarriages with white people. There is a physical difference between the white and black races, which will forever forbid the two races from living together on social and political equality. There must be a position of superior and inferior, and I am in favor of assigning the superior position to the white man. 
Yes, that was a quote from Abraham Lincoln. You see, friends, the Confederate flag has never stood as a racist symbol. If you want racism, you go to the Stars and Stripes. In the South, although there was separation, the blacks respected the whites, and the whites respected the blacks. And I'll tell you this. There was no trouble in the South back then, nor in the 1960s, until the North came down and started stirring up trouble. So the Confederate flag is not a racist flag. Secondly, the Confederate flag is not a flag of slavery. It does not represent slavery. Are you listening to me? There was not one slave ever brought into this country under the Confederate flag. Every slave that was brought into this country was brought into this country on a southern, or excuse me, brought in by northern ships under the stars and stripes. There was not even a slave brought into this country on a southern vessel. The slaves were brought into this country on northern vessels under the stars and stripes. Now, did you know that out of the 224 years that slavery was legal in this country, only four of those years did the Confederate battle flag fly. And by the way, there were slaves in this country in 1620. What flag flew over the country more than any other flag during those 224 years? It was the Stars and Stripes. It wasn't the Confederate battle flag. It was the Stars and Stripes. Why hate and attack the Confederate flag? I mean, if you want to hate a flag of slavery, then you ought to hate the stars and stripes. And if you want to hate another flag of slavery, why not hate the British flag? Did you know that England was responsible for taking five million blacks from Africa and selling them to every country under the sun? If you want to hate a flag, why not hate the Dutch flag or the Portuguese flag or the Spanish flag? They sold slaves. And if you want to hate a flag today, how about hating the Muslim flags? Because even today, the Muslims are still involved in slavery. I mean, let's be honest. Now, if you want to believe that the War of 1861 to 1865 was over slavery, I can show you two things that ought to forever correct your thinking in that area. The war was not over slavery. Slavery has only been made an issue by the liberal revisionists. It was not an issue. Let me prove to you just by two simple statements. I will give you more, but let me prove to you that the war was not fought over slavery, and therefore, this flag could never have represented slavery. You see, friends, Abraham Lincoln proposed the 13th Amendment in March of 1861. It is the only proposed constitutional amendment that was signed by a sitting president. Let me say that again. It is the only proposed constitutional amendment that was signed by a sitting president. It bears Abraham Lincoln's signature. Here was Abraham Lincoln's proposed 13th Amendment, and I quote, No power to abolish or interfere within any state with the domestic institutions thereof, including that a person's held to labor or service by laws of said state. End of quote. Did you hear that? Lincoln's proposed 13th Amendment said Congress shall not have the power 
to interfere with any institutions within any state, including those held to labor or service by the laws of that state. In other words, what Abraham Lincoln was saying to the South, if you will accept this proposed 13th Amendment, then you can forever keep your slaves. Folks, Beauregard never fired on Fort Sumter until April 9. This amendment was written in March of 1861. If the war had been about slavery, and if the South wanted just to keep slaves, and that was it, then why fire a gun? Why fire a shot? Just simply accept his proposed 13th Amendment, and it would all be over. This resolution was passed unanimously by Congress on July 23, 1861. You read it for yourself in the congressional record. Here's what this resolution says, and I quote, The war is waged by the government of the United States, not in the spirit of conquest or subjugation, nor for the purpose of overthrowing or interfering with the rights or institutions of the states, but to defend and protect the Union. End of quote. Congress said the war is not about slavery. I will even give you a 13th Amendment that will allow you to make slavery permanent. You see, folks, what was happening was this. There are a lot of issues, and I can't cover them all, but one of the issues was an economic issue. Do you realize the South, before the war, was extremely wealthy? And the South, before the war, funded probably 75 to 80 percent of all the taxes. But the North wanted a 40% tariff. The South said no. The most we'll ever agree to is a 10% tariff. And what Lincoln and the radical Republicans were doing was this. They were saying, we would give you a 13th Amendment. We will let you keep your slaves if that's what you want. You just let us keep our tariffs. In other words, the North was willing to sell the blacks out for money for higher taxes. They could care less, you see. Uh, Hapgood's book, Abraham Lincoln, the Man of the People, on page 273, quotes Abraham Lincoln as saying this, and I quote, If I could save the Union without freeing any of the slaves, I would do it. End of quote. Hmm. Abraham Lincoln later said that slaves are property, and if freed, they should be paid for. Later on, Lincoln said, I have no purpose directly or indirectly to interfere with the institution of slavery in the states where it exists. I believe I have no lawful right to do so, and I have no inclination to do so. End of quote. Now here, Lincoln is acknowledging that he has no lawful right to interfere with slavery. Slavery, by the way, was constitutional. All 13 colonies agreed on it, and by the way, in 1776, all 13 colonies held slaves, not just the South, all of them. Lincoln said, and I quote, I have no lawful right to interfere, nor, he says, do I have an inclination to do so. In a letter to Alexander Stevens, who happened to be later the vice president of the Confederacy, Lincoln wrote and said this, quote, do the people of the South really entertain fear that a Republican administration would directly or indirectly interfere with their slaves 
or with them about their slaves? If they do, I wish to assure you that once, as a friend, and still I hope not as an enemy, that there is no cause for such fears. The South would be in no more danger in this respect than it was in the days of Washington. End of quote. So once again, Lincoln was saying it's not over slavery. Are you still with me? You say, but Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation. And the Emancipation Proclamation freed the slaves. No, it didn't. The Emancipation Proclamation did not free one slave. Do you know what Abraham Lincoln tried to do with the Emancipation Proclamation? In fact, he says so himself, and so do other men in his cabinet. They say that the Emancipation Proclamation was a war measure. Lincoln, number one, wanted to keep England specifically, and the rest of Europe particularly, from joining in with or recognizing the Confederate States of America. This was his first goal in the Emancipation Proclamation. His second goal was another war measure, in the sense he was hoping that the blacks in the South would rise up in rebellion against their white masters and the white people. Let me tell you something. Just to show you there was no trouble in the South, there was not one rebellion during the war of the black folk. Do you realize a thousand torches and a thousand black hands would have emptied the Confederate armies because the men would have gone home to protect their families? And Lincoln knew that. You see, what Lincoln did was this. Now listen to me. Lincoln tried to free the slaves in the South where he had absolutely no authority and he refused to release the slaves in the North where he did have authority. Let me repeat that. Lincoln tried to free the slaves in the South where he had absolutely no authority and he refused to release the slaves in the North where he did have authority. Did you know that in the northern armies, even when they were fighting the south, there were over 300,000 slaveholders in the northern armies? Did you know that Robert G. Lee, before the war ever began, when he inherited some slaves, freed them? General Ulysses S. Grant, who was the main general of the north and afterwards became president, even after the war was over, kept his slaves. He did so with this excuse. Here's what he said. Good help is hard to find. You see, friends, the truth of the matter is this. The Emancipation Proclamation was not only unconstitutional, and everybody recognized it, it cost the Republicans a lot of elections. There were five northern states that refused after that to elect Republicans to Congress. And moreover, there were a lot of Union soldiers that deserted because of it and refused to fight. Slavery was not the issue. Slavery has never been the issue until recently.
until political revisionists and the politically correct people wanted to make it an issue. This is why we hear so much about it in the news media today. This is why people are marching in protest. This is why they're taking these flags down off state capitals. This is why they are denying the truths and the the methods and the people that fought in the war of northern aggression. They're trying to tear down the monuments. They don't want statues of these men because these men were racists. These men supported slavery. And yet, friends, the truth of the matter is, this flag we're speaking of, this Confederate flag, this flag of the stars and bars, never did represent slavery. It never did. But you see, you and I live in a politically correct society, don't we? We live in a day and time when people change history to fit what they're trying to get across. We live in a society today where a woman can be married to a president, and uh, she can be a senatress. I guess that's what you call a female senator. She can become uh, a part of the cabinet of a, a man that never belongs in the White House anyway, if you'll just simply check it out. Uh, she can have the Rose Law Firm. She can make minuscule investments and have hundreds of thousands of dollars of return and It's just good business. And no one can say anything. She can lie through her teeth about things like Benghazi and emails and so on and so forth and not be held accountable in this politically correct society. Well, I want you to know tonight, friends, we're about to go to the break. Now, you stay with me for the second half of the Covenanter's call. But I want you to know that there is a God. And the Bible says that one day, ultimately, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There's payday someday. It's appointed unto man once to die and after that the judgment. And even in our day of political revisionism, and even in our day of politically correct people who try and change our history and proclaim bald-faced lies, they will one day stand before the God of heaven. Oh, they may not be held to accountability down here, as they should be, but they will be held to accountability when they stand before the God of heaven. Do you really know what's going on? Is your head in that hole in the sand? Are you ready to understand that this flag we speak of this evening does not represent what they say? I hear the music. Let's take a break. You stay tuned for the Covenanters call.
is their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. I would like to tell you about the only truly natural dog and cat food I have found anywhere. Most all companies add a synthetic vitamin mineral pack to their dry or kibble food. Nature's logic is different. With all natural ingredients and nothing man-made added, their owner, Scott Freeman, worked for another pet food company but decided he wanted to do things right. So he started Nature's Logic. You can check them out at natureslogic.com. You will find online and local stores where you can find their products. I spent a lot of time trying to find an all-natural pet food, and Nature's Logic was the only one out there. Give your pets the best and check out naturelogic.com. Your pets will be glad you did. They also have many other natural pet products to try. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Welcome back to the Covenanters Call. Once again, Pastor Mike Hoover here. Love to hear from you this week. You can write to me, Mike Hoover, 2569 North State Highway 337 in Orleans, Indiana, 47452. You can drop us an email, themuggyone at cleaninter.net, T-H-E-M-O-G-O-L-L-O-N at C-L-E-A-N-I-N-T-E-R dot net. 
or give us a phone call at number 812-653-5578. And uh, we sure would love to hear from you. Always look forward to it. Got some got some good friends there in the chat room. And boy, by howdy, by the way, uh, the chat room is all upgraded and vamped up and things are looking sharp and a lot more options. And you, if you become a member of the chat room, you can even see pictures of how some of us look. Um, depends upon the time of year for the first guy there, how he looks right now. Uh, the second guy, he doesn't look that way anymore. Uh, then uh, the third fellow there in the chat room right now, he and his wife, they look that way. That's one of the best pictures of LT I've ever seen. And Nunya, I'm not sure he looks that way, and that's me there at the bottom. But uh, you can see what some of us look like. It's a lot of fun there in the chat room. You can even come to the chat room, scroll down to the bottom behind the, beyond the box there, and you can click on a, a box there, and you can listen while you're in the chat room so you don't have to have uh, several uh, things open on your computer, do them both from one. And uh, so we, uh, we invite you to come and do that. Appreciate you folks being in there. And I do pay attention uh, to what's being said in there, and I understand that relenting, uh, and uh, understand what's more important there by uh, what you're saying there, friend. But uh, we would uh, love to hear from you, love to see you in the chat room there. Let me encourage you to be a supporter of American Voice Radio. We have that opportunity uh, on the website, and uh, it is worthwhile. I'm telling you the way things are going. I went out um, yesterday and uh, looked around, and uh, I did my best to uh, uh, find some more, and I'm in the process of getting more. Uh, so that we're better prepared. You say, man, that just didn't make any sense to me. Okay, well, that's fine. But some of the people will understand. And uh, so we, we would love to hear from you. Uh, another reminder, too, good Lord willing, the 7th, 8th, and 9th, I believe it is, of, of uh, October, uh, Pastor Keith Hoover. Now, he used to be on the radio broadcast with me, but uh, he's pastoring up there in Union City, Indiana now, and, and become too big time, I imagine, to be on the radio with a little old podunk preacher like me. But uh, he and I, father and son, are going to be preaching up in the Appleton, Wisconsin area, uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and uh, looking for uh, a good time up there. Uh, Brother Griesbach is the pastor, and uh, once we get more information, more uh, definite stuff, we will let you know. But we'll be up there. We'd love to meet some of you folks. I don't know if we have anybody up in that part of the country that listens into the broadcast or not, uh, but we would certainly love to get a chance to meet you. My wife and I will be there, and our son and his wife, and uh, their six children will be there. And uh, we just look forward to being there and having a wonderful time in the Lord. So you might put that on your calendar. And uh, if you ever get out there in Oregon, make sure you look up Frank. Uh, he lives up on the mountaintop. He's got a king. He's a king-like guy. got his own little kingdom there. But he would probably enjoy seeing you as well. Now, uh, once again, we're talking about this flag. There have been numerous warnings down through history concerning our flag and concerning our heritage and our culture. One of those warnings came from General Patrick Cleburne. I want to read to you what General Patrick Cleburne said in January of 1864. And he was warning the South in regards to subjugation. You talk about a prophet. Listen carefully. General Cleburne said this, quote, If the South lost its means that the history of this historic trouble will be written, excuse me, if the South lost, it means that the history of this historic struggle will be written by the enemy. That our youth will be trained by northern school teachers, will learn from northern school books their version of the war, will be impressed by all of the influences of history and education to regard our gallant debt as traitors 
and our maimed veterans as fit subjects for derision. Now, folks, let me tell you, that's exactly what's happened in this country. You pick up any textbook you want, you pick it up, and it will simply say the war was over slavery. The North was right, the South was wrong. And most folk believe that junk. They've been taught it. The war was not over slavery, not over slavery at all. One of my favorite stories is about a reconstructed Southerner who ran into Mildred Lewis Rutherford. Mildred Lewis Rutherford was one of the finest Southern historians that you could ever come across. I believe she died in 1928. But this one reconstructed Southerner said to Mrs. Rutherford, he said, my father was a Confederate soldier, but had he lived... I'm sure he would have regretted having fought for the wrong side. To which Mrs. Rutherford replied, far more probably he would have regretted having a son so disloyal to the principles for which he was willing to give his life. Friends, the Confederate flag is not a racist flag. The Confederate flag is not a flag of slavery. Now there's a third thing I want to teach you, and I want you to listen carefully. The Confederate flag is a Christian flag, and it represents freedom from tyranny. The Confederate battle flag, as we know it, really did not come into existence, or I should say into full-blown presence, until after First Manassas, July 21, 1861. Most of you know, or at least you should know, that the South and the North called their battles by different names. So it's either First Manassas or First Bull Run, depending on what section of the country you're from. But during that battle, the Confederate battle flag was the stars and bars. And the stars and bars were very easily confused with the stars and stripes, not only at a distance, but also especially under battle conditions. And you've got to remember all of the smoke that those black powder rifles and cannons made at that particular time. It was during this battle that General Beauregard was observing the battle and he sees a large body of troops moving toward the Union right flank. And Beauregard tried and tried to make out the flag and to see if it was the northern flag or the southern flag, and he just simply could not make it out. So he called some of his young lieutenants up, and he said, Tell me, is that our flag or is that their flag? They could not make it out either. So he stood there very cautiously trying to determine whose flag it was, What group was there? All of a sudden, a little puff of wind came, and it unfurled, and he could see that it was the stars and bars, and he cried, the day is ours, attack, attack. And with that, of course, they won the day, and the Yankees literally threw down their weapons and ran all the way back to Washington, D.C. Later, Beauregard wrote, at the Battle of Manassas, I found it difficult to distinguish our then-Confederate flag from the United States flag, the two being so much alike, especially when General Jewel A. Early made the flight movement that decided the fate of the day. So Beauregard said, I couldn't tell if it was ours or theirs. Then he wrote, I resolved to have our flag changed or to adopt for my command a battle flag, which would be entirely different from any state or federal flag. Beauregard later said after the war, After the battle, it was found that many persons in both armies firmly believed that each side 
had used as a strategy the flags of his opponents. So the North thought the South was using its flag, and the South thought the North was using our flag, trying to confuse us. Thus, Beauregard ordered a totally different flag to be carried into battle. There were two designs, one by Colonel Walton and one by Colonel Miles. Colonel Walton's flag had a Latin cross on it, and Colonel Miles's flag had the X or the St. Andrew's cross on it. And Beauregard chose the one with the St. Andrew's cross. Now, let me tell you that Andrew was the first disciple of Jesus Christ. He became a follower of Jesus Christ and preached relentlessly the gospel of Christ. He not only preached in many of the Asiatic nations, he preached in Russia. Andrew was crucified around 96 AD in Patria, Greece. Unlike Christ, who was crucified on the Latin cross, Andrew was crucified on the Andrew's cross. It looks like an X. And the reason he was crucified like that was by his own request. He did not believe himself worthy to be crucified as Christ had been crucified. So he talked his prosecutor and persecutor into crucifying him on the X-shaped cross instead of having his hands nailed to the cross as Christ was. He had his persecutor tie him to the cross, even though he knew that he would suffer longer and deeper pain and agony. Now, you've got to remember, Andrew was approximately 90 years old when this was being done. For three days he hung on that cross, preaching to everyone who came by while he had breath. Finally, so many of the people were impressed by his preaching, they went and asked that Andrew be cut down from the cross and allowed to live. The powers that be consented, and they went and cut Andrew down, and as they cut the rope, he fell to the ground dead. He died as a martyr for Jesus Christ. Andrew became the patron saint not only of Prussia, but also of Scotland. Did you know that in the 1800s, about 75% of the South were either Scotch or Scotch-Irish? The Confederate battle flag is based upon the national flag of Scotland. The national flag of Scotland is the cross of St. Andrew, And the cross of St. Andrew is a symbol of the Christian faith and the heritage of the Celtic race. In fact, another name for the Confederate battle flag is the Southern Cross. It was adopted consciously, purposefully, deliberately, and premeditatedly in order to display faith in the sovereign God of heaven and earth, faith in the providence of that God, the God of history, and the God of salvation. Now, how can I say that? Did you know that the Confederate Constitution recognized the sovereignty of the providence of God? Let me read to you the preamble. It goes like this. When the people of the Confederate states, each state acting in its sovereign and independent character, in order to form a permanent federal government, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, and ensure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invoking the favor and guidance of Almighty God, do ordain and establish this Constitution for the Confederate States of America. Even the Confederate States' motto, Dio Dio Vindicia, the Lord is our Vindicator, illustrates the sovereignty and the righteousness of God. 
The St. Andrew's cross is also known as the Greek letter key and has historically been used to represent Jesus Christ. Why do you think people write Mary Xmas? Just to give you an illustration. The X is the Greek letter key, and it has been historically used for Christ. Moreover, its importance was understood by educated and uneducated people alike. Excuse me, when an educated man, one that could not write, needed to sign his name, please tell me what letter he made. Well, friend, he made an X. Why? Because he was saying, I am taking an oath under God. I am recognizing the sovereignty of God, the providence of God, and I am pledging my faith. May I tell you that the Confederate flag is indeed a Christian flag because it has the cross of St. Andrew, who was a Christian martyr. And the letter X has always been used to represent Christ. And to attack the flag is to deny the sovereignty, the majesty, and the might of the Lord Jesus Christ and his divine role in our history, culture, and life. Moreover, let me tell you this, that Confederate flag today represents the valiant and courageous Confederate soldiers who died and gave their lives for the principles for which they fought. General Beauregard had one of the three first original Confederate battle flags. On May the 28th, 1883, he donated that flag to the Louisiana-Washington Artillery. Beauregard was unable to be there, but Colonel Walton was, and he accepted the flag for Beauregard, and here's what he said, quote, In the name of General Beauregard, under whose eyes you first went under fire at Manassas, I have the honor to present to you this sacred emblem of Southern valium, valor, valor excuse me, and patriotism, said Judge Alfred Roman. Its colors are yet as fresh as when it received that parting look of its fair maker. Its value is enhanced by the fact that the upper portion of its staff is made of a piece of a flagstaff of Fort Sumter, shot down by the Confederate gunners in April 1861. Gunners who, by the way, were under the command of General Beauregard. Unsoiled, though it is by the smoke of battle, it was nonetheless born in war, and the breeze first kissed it in the tinted field. It is the genuine model of the glorious flag around which all of us fought, and so many of us bled, and so many of us fell. What did he say? He said it's a symbol of Southern valor and patriotism. Now, let me try to answer a question for you. Why attack the Confederate battle flag? Why attack Confederate symbols? Well, friends, let me tell you something. Whenever the Confederate battle flag is attacked, and the attacks are so vicious and so ferocious, it is because it is an attack on the truth. Let me say that again. Whenever the Confederate battle flag is attacked and the attacks are so vicious and so ferocious, it is because it is an attack on the truth. 
Because the South was not fighting as a racist nation or as a slave-holding nation. They were fighting for constitutional rights. They were fighting for states' rights. Did you know that there were many in the South when it came to adopting a flag that said, let's take the stars and stripes? Why? Because we are the ones that are remaining true to the Constitution. Let them adopt another flag because they're untrue. To attack the flag is an attack on political incorrectness. The flag represents those who are opposed to unlimited federal government. The flag, speaking of the right flag, represents a limited constitutional republic. A view of government opposed to the powers that be. Now let me tell you something, folks. All one has to do is look at our present-day Washington, D.C., to know exactly what our forefathers fought against. 250,000 Confederate soldiers gave their lives to prevent from having what we have today. The extension of government into every area of our lives is a result of the fact that the South lost the war. To attack the flag, the Confederate flag, is to attack the truth which that flag represented. The Confederate flag not only represents a limited view of government, but friends, it also represents freedom from tyranny. It represents freedom from tyrannical governments. I don't know how many of you will remember this. I know many of you saw it on TV. I know I did. When the Berlin Wall was being torn down, do you remember what was flying over the Berlin Wall? Stop and think now. Do you remember what was flying over the Berlin Wall when they tore down the wall? Friends, the Confederate battle flag waved as the wall was being torn down. Did you know that the Confederate battle flag has been adopted and used by the people of Poland? By the people of Hungary? by the people of the Ukraine, by the people of Lithuania, by the people of East Germany, as they were victorious over the Union of the Soviets. Even Quebec, in more recent years, used the battle flag as a symbol of its independence in trying to secede from Canada. Historically, everyone understands that the Confederate battle flag represents liberty and freedom and independence from tyranny. The Confederate flag represents truth against error, freedom against tyranny, light against darkness, and the kingdom of Christ against the kingdom of governance. You see, we've forgotten the fact that the war of northern aggression was a cultural war. It was a religious war, and the north was predominantly Unitarian and humanist, while the south was predominantly Christian. And in reality... The war was an attempt to crush Christianity and the Christian culture. Now, why must the flag be attacked? Why must the flag be destroyed? Why must Confederate symbols and monuments and heritage be defamed and destroyed and derided? I'll tell you why. Because if we are allowed to keep our symbols, 
we might just one day begin to inquire into the origin and meaning of those symbols, and in so doing, begin to question the myths and the propaganda of political correctness that's in our country today. And as we see the truth, we might actually begin to stand for the principles for which our forefathers stood and fought. And my, would that cause problems for the present-day administration and the present-day socialist program? Now listen to me, folks. In order to keep a people enslaved and content in the present, you must destroy their past. A people who have no past will have no future. The attacks today are attacks against the truth. What you and I need to do is this. We need to study our history. We need to study our heritage. We need to come back to basics. We need to come back to our Christian roots. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 6. Let me close with this verse. Jeremiah chapter 6 and verse 16. Thus saith the Lord, Stand ye in the ways, and see, and ask for the old paths, where is the good way, and walk therein, and you shall find rest for your souls. But they, that's speaking of the wicked people, said, We will not walk therein. What did God say? God said, stand in the ways and see and ask for the old paths. Where ends the good way? Let me tell you something, folks. I would trade the culture we have today in a heartbeat for the culture that the South had before the war of northern aggression. I would trade the character that men have today for the character that men had before the war of northern aggression in a heartbeat. I would trade the morality today for the morality that was in the South before the war of northern aggression. We better stand in the way and soon ask for the old ways, which is the good way. We not only need to keep our symbols, we need to defend their principles and apply those principles in our present day life. You see, friends, the stars and bars really don't represent what the politically correct people tell us today. The stars and bars was a Christian flag. It represented the Christian mentality. It represented the Christian culture of the South, the culture of the truth, the culture of the sovereign God, the culture of the right way, while the stars and stripes represent and represented then the northern aggression. You see, friend, our history has been twisted. It has been perverted. To pick up the average history book of today is to tell a different story than what true history has to say. It never ceases to amaze me in our day and time how often I hear questions by supposed Bible scholars. They like to call themselves theologians. And they question who Jesus Christ is and if he really did those things. I want you to know he did, friends. It's the truth. This is the Covenanters Call. Once again, I'd love to hear from you this week. Write to me, Pastor Mike Hoover, 2569 North State Highway 337 
in Orleans, Indiana, 47452. Drop me an email, T-H-E-M-O-G-O-L-L-O-N at C-L-E-A-N-I-N-T-E-R dot net. Or give me a phone call, that number, 812-653-5578. Now make sure you stay tuned for more good programming here on American Voice Radio. And uh, make sure you remember, Lord willing, first week there of October, we'll be up in Appleton, Wisconsin. And I hope we get to meet some friends up there that listen to this broadcasting network. Well, looks like my time is up. I think Frank's just about ready to crank up the music. So you stay tuned. And until we meet you again on the airwaves, may God bless you as our prayer. Folks, have a great evening. religious and medical views presented on various shows heard on American Voice Radio Network are not necessarily the views held by the management of American Voice Radio and are not presented as an endorsement by this network. All statements heard on American Voice Radio are the sole responsibility and opinion of those who speak the particular statement. shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold 
value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. I'm Alfred Addisk, and this is the American Independence Hour for Tuesday, 12th day of July, year of our Lord, 2016. Do my dance of the seven veils here. First, I am a man made in God's images for Genesis 1, 26 through 28. I'm endowed by my Creator with certain unalienable rights, as per the second sentence of what we call the Declaration of Independence. Incidentally, the proper name for that document is the unanimous Declaration of the 13 United States of America. That's a proper term. We call it the Declaration of Independence. If you were actually going to rely on that document, if you're going to try to reach it and rely on it, it'd be a good idea to reference the proper name rather than the Declaration of Independence is a kind of shorthand, a kind of slang, but it's not really the name of the document. And therefore, you know, you might be well to do well to look up the real name of the document before you refer to it. Uh, I'm one of the people of the state of Texas, a member state of the Perpetual Union styled the United States of America. I'm broadcasting from within the borders of the state of Texas. I'm acting at arm's length, and I deny that I have voluntarily agreed to act as fiduciary as surety for the U.S. government. Having said that, our co-host is Frank Stefan. Hello, Frank. Howdy, Al. Are we going to race war? Oh, going? Yeah. We haven't started yet. Well, I don't know. I haven't been paying attention. I. That's why. That's why I rely on you to help me understand these things. <laughs> Uh, well, you know, I think if they, if the powers that be have their way, uh, yeah, they're gonna, we're gonna have to have a race war, you, you know, know, some kind of war. You're on the right track here, to my, in my opinion, or at least you may be in this regard. Do the people of the United States of America, do they really want a race war? A significant number of them? No, or know, are we being manipulated into this? Are we being pushed into something that maybe we don't want, but will be a pretext for what? Martial law? Well, yeah, I, I think uh I think the vast and I don't you know, that doesn't mean fifty one percent, it means more like probably eighty or above percent of Americans 
don't care either way about race. You know, I mean, they they just don't in their everyday life. Mm-hmm. Sure, they might watch something on TV and say them dang white people or those darn niggers or whatever. You know, I mean, they might say that, but in their everyday life, they don't think about race. They don't care about race that much. I mean, you hang out with who you want to hang out with, I guess. You could consider that, but nobody wants to go, well, look at him. He doesn't look like me. Let's burn his place down. You know, uh, the vast majority of Americans just don't think that way. But yet you see the news and you would think that everybody does. Yeah. This is just the way it is. And But if I'm walking down the street and a group of anybody comes up to me and starts uh, wanting my wallet, wanting this, and, and, and you know, then I'm going to fight back. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then we're going to have a problem. Then we're in a fight. Now we have a fight, which, oh, look, they're all this color and you're that color. This must be about race. But it, no, it doesn't have to be about race. It it could be about, hey, you threw rocks at me. You know, uh, yeah, I'm going to throw rocks back at you. You know, it's just one of these things. It's like, okay, the police. Now, they're all crying and whining about how, oh, boy, you know, nobody loves us anymore. And, uh, you know, uh, yeah, well, they have brought this upon themselves. You cannot Mm -hmm. just run around year after year shooting unarmed people or running away from you and saying, oh, well, I feared for my life. And the judge goes, oh, dismissed because he feared for his life. You know, that's not going to wash forever before people say, you know what? And, you know, you might be a nice cop with a beautiful wife and a kid, and you're a nice guy. But you're wearing that uniform, and you're going to be identified with the other thugs that have to be eliminated. And you're going to go with them. And that's kind of where the race thing is at. There are instigating groups out there. Yeah, I understand that. Or at least I believe that. Well, you know, I, I don't think there much. I haven't seen them. I don't know for an absolute fact. But it does seem to be the case. Well, and even if they don't have a real group behind them. I'm, okay, so I don't know how big. Well, what's a group? One of the things that's strange about this, take an organization like Black Lives Matter. There have been a petition with 100,000 signatures on it that have gone to the, the White House that has allegedly said that, that, they should, that Obama should declare Black Lives Matter a terrorist group. And because the definition of terrorism is trying to use force or violence to accomplish political goals. And that's what he, they say Black Lives Matter is trying to do. No. Is Black Lives Matter, is that group trying to do that? Or is a ha- or are a handful of leaders within that group trying to do it? Well, I think that's is what it is. liable for what the leaders are saying? Or what they're what they're organizing and promoting as everybody involved in Black Lives Matter. I mean, what happens here? Where's, where's the what group? Is the group the leadership, or is the group the whole group? I think it's the leadership. I mean, and and look, we have serious problems in this country, and it does. It's not. It's not just economic, and it's not just uh, race. I, you know, a lot of these problems we have are based on a deeper, more fundamental problem of lack of education and ignorance. And the fact of the matter is, in this country, it doesn't matter what color you are. It matters how much money you've got in your bank account, depending on what kind of education you're going to get. What proof do you have for that? Proof? 
Well, yeah. I don't have any proof. I have lots of evidence. Sure you do. You got Barack Obama. Sure. Sitting in the White House. I mean, he's absolute proof that the vast majority they, he was not put in the White House by the black people. All right. Nope. If the only people who attracted him, so he, the, the only people he attracted were the Negroes of this of this of this country, he wouldn't have been elected president. He wouldn't even been nominated. He was nominated and elected because he was able to attract the support of a significant number of whites. That's true. And why did they do that? Why did the whites support him? Well, I don't know. You know, people because have to... he's white. Well, he is. Listen to him speak. White is a culture. It's not a race. Negro is a race. Caucasian is a race. He's half Caucasian. But his fact, if you listen to him talk, we will never elect a nigger to be president of the United States. And by nigger, I mean a man of a man or woman of who is a Negro or apparently a Negro right, and embraces the nigger culture and the nigger values. Got their hat turned on sideways and their pants hanging halfway down their thighs. I ain't going to elect that. But on the other hand, we had a white man come up who happened to have a Negro background. That wasn't a problem. He was a member, you listen to him speak, and you know he's a member of the white culture. Now, he may be a treasonous member of the white culture. doesn't mean he's a perfect, by any, but that's what got, he was essentially a white guy. That's why he got elected. But the point is, if those people who are black, which is a different culture, in my opinion, from those who are niggers, niggers is a completely subculture of the Negro, the Negro race, and niggers are working against the white culture. Black is just trying to get along. They're caught in the, they're caught in the middle to some degree, but uh, um, but anybody, born, it doesn't matter, born Negro, it's all right. You can be president. You can be Oprah Winfrey, one of the wealthiest people on the face of the earth. You can be Michael Jordan. You can be uh, Loretta Lynch, Attorney General, Eric Holder, Attorney General. How do you get there? You get there by becoming white. Embracing that culture. If you want to embrace that culture, we'll elect anybody to those positions of power. It's evidence that this country is not consumed by racism the way most Negroes seem to think. My opinion, why do blacks insist on racism? That racism is a big problem. Because it explains their abject failures as a people. There's, There are... Negroes who can do well, better than me. Huh? But there are a significant percentage of Negroes that aren't going to do well, and they want to write it off to the reason that they're essentially saying, the reason I'm not a rocket scientist, it's not because I don't understand mathematics, it's not because I don't know how to read, it's not because I didn't finish high school, no, it's because I'd be oppressed by the white, the evil white man. Well, and, you know, racism becomes the excuse for failure. Well, sure, and and I think that's what it's being used as. But that's exactly right, and that's why it's needed. The last people in this country who want to admit that racism isn't really a significant problem are the Negroes. Well, they no. need racism. I don't need racism. They need it to explain why they don't get jobs, why they don't, you know, why the the problems they have, the problems they have, the problems they have. Well, they don't want to, oh, we don't want to take responsibility for ourselves. It's because the evil white man be oppressing the brothers and the sisters. Bullcrap. 
Well, yeah, and and it is being used as an excuse. And the thing is that you know, and I in no way supported Bernie Sanders or even you know cared for most of what he said. But then again, he did focus on something that I think is really more the problem than racism ever will be, which is this the the uh, how what would you say? Not racism, moneyism. Or or wealthism or whatever. I don't think that's it. I don't. I, I think it is because you know. These, might, I mean, you had your opinion. I got mine. These but black kids that can't read, they can't write, they can't add, they can't do anything like that, is because they didn't get an education. Because where they live. Yeah, but why where, didn't they get an because education? Because where they live is poverty stricken, and poverty stricken places do not get entire... books. They do not get teachers. They don't get any of the stuff that. Other people do. Now, people go, well, yeah, white people. Well, the fact of the matter is black communities tend to be more poor. And this is a bad cycle. Yeah, but you know something? There were poor people in this country when it started. And their poverty, I mean, the average standard of living back when this country began in the 1700s, I mean, today it would be just abject poverty. So what, Thomas Jefferson never learned to read? Never learned to write. I mean, it's not just poverty. What we're dealing with, and this is the problem, the big taboo and the rest, there are an abundance, and I don't know of contrary evidence, but there is, there's a significant amount of studies, evidence, whatever, not just here, but around the world. The average black, the average Negro's IQ, Negro, Negro. I'm talking about a sub-Saharan African Negro. Average, according to one guy's study, that was uh, Jean-Philippe Rustin. He wrote a book called Race, Evolution, and Behavior. Controversial. But regardless, he had, and some of his conclusions may or may not be true, some of his, but, but the evidence, I don't think anybody refused his evidence. And he collected evidence from around the world that indicated sub-Saharan Africans, meaning Negroes, native to Africa. The average IQ is 70 points. And according to his studies, the average white IQ was 100, and the average Asian IQ was 105. Now, everyone knows that Asians, you see them in chess clubs, you see them in working on computers, you see five points on average. And yet they are noticeably and considerably more intelligent, on average, than whites. Doesn't come as any surprise. Well, here's the thing, though. American Negroes' average IQ is allegedly about, what what did they say, 85, according to Rushton. I don't know what the true numbers are, but the point is, if Rushton is correct, and he may be, if the average black IQ is 85 points, they are 15 points below the average white. You take five points to Asians. If it's true that Asian IQs are averaging 105, white average 100. If five points makes the difference between whites and Asians, what does 15 points do between between Negroes, American well, Negroes, and, and, and whites? But the point is that even with an 85-point IQ, Hmm? You're still smart enough to read. You're still smart yeah, enough to do a, a the average IQ. That's well, the I, I don't, you know, if you've got a 70 point, you still can learn to read. You still can learn to do arithmetic. The fact is they're not being taught this. And even if they are, 
Okay, so they've started with a lower IQ. They're not going to be rocket scientists. So, okay, fine. But in our society today, there is nothing for them to do. Whereas in 40 years ago, you could grab a shovel, and if you were willing to get out there and dig holes all day long, you could make a living enough to have a family. Now you can't do that. So now where do these people who... They don't have the IQ to be a computer geek or a rocket scientist. So now, oh, well, we don't dig holes anymore. We have robots or machines or whatever to do that. You know, see, they're being, like, completely locked out of the whole thing. Oh, I agree, thing. I so agree with that. To, what do you expect for a whole culture of people, a whole race of people, who are just being told, well, sorry, your IQ is not up to where we are, so uh, we're getting rid of all your ability to make a living and have a family and here's your welfare check, and get that guy out of your house so you don't have a family unit. And, and that's what we've done. And, th- and then we wonder why that's they're That's kind upset. of what we've done, but we've done one more thing besides that. We've allowed and encouraged African Americans, we've allowed and encouraged the Negroes that live in this country to believe that the reason they don't have certain things that they see and they want is because they are being oppressed and subjected to racism. And it's not true. The reason they're not doing it, the the reason they don't have what they want is the same reason I'm not center for the L.A. Lakers. I ain't got game. And it doesn't entitle me to hate everybody who plays, especially the black players in the NBA, and sit back and say the reason reason I can't be center for the L.A. Lakers is because the black people have taken over the NBA and they won't let the white boy play. No. So I'm going to hate everybody and everybody who's black. No. It's not true. It's not true. That's true. It's not true. It's not true. But and that's what has to be stopped. That's where we're getting these shootings and arrested. People have been giving African-Americans a license to go out there and be violent and burn places down and shoot people because they supposedly have reason to be angry and nobody wants to control, confront the fact, no, in fact, your problems are not because of the white man. You got a problem? Maybe you want to talk to God about it. Well, you I, see, you, there's, there's, some of us aren't good enough to play professional basketball. All That's right. all. But, doesn't mean somebody else has to get shot and we have to destroy the game and burn the stadium to the ground. Well, that's true. Some I mean, look, aren't good enough to play. I can sit there and say, well, that's okay. I'm just not good enough to play basketball, and uh, I, I can still enjoy watching it. But I can also sit there and go, you know what, though? There's something really wrong with these guys out there playing a game, making $50 million a year, while I'm getting paid $8 an hour to dig a hole all day long. There's something really wrong with that. And they're right. There is something really wrong with that. And you'd be right to look at it and say there's something really wrong with that. You, you know, mean you're going to help me ticket the NBA? <laughs> no. Oh. You know, it's not the NBA. I don't know. Do they the... have a team up? Do they have a t- No. You see, that's <laughs> yeah. the whole thing. Portland. It's... It's not just, uh, shall we go shall we shall we start picketing the Portland <laughs> Trailblazers? Isn't that the isn't that the basketball yeah, team up there? It is. It's just the thing is it's not just the NBA. Okay. We have this problem all through America. It's the medical profession, it's the lawyers, it's the politicians, it's the CEOs. It's not right that they get paid these enormous amounts of money. And I realize yeah, I understand you know, that, but, but I realize also what they've done. Is, 
that's not evidence of racism. No. That's a kind of classism thing, because I guarantee you, I'm not getting that kind of money. No, that's Nobody's right. And me, and nobody ever did, and I doubt that anyone ever will. Racism. I have just... no expectation of. I have no expectation of receiving that money. Those rich people have no more in common with me, basically, than they do with Negroes. And from their perspective, I'm down there. I'm. Uh, you, you know, that's right. I'm that's my. Hood. This is my point. Is that racism is a misidentification of the problem and the real enemy? I agree. I basically agree with you. You know, I and, mean, because there's something be, wrong. It's got <laughs> to be stopped because it justifies. We've got an article here that we are. Uh, one of the articles I sent to you. As a matter of fact, I, I think I didn't send it to you. I, I neglected to send. It's uh, this is from LouRockwall.com. And days day of rage protests are scheduled for July 15th in these American cities. And they go on. And what it is is it's people that are expressing rage against the police department. Um, and that's just for shooting people. I get that. Cops shoot people. That happens. All right. But not being held accountable. There's the problem. That's true. But they're going to have July 15th, day of rage. Day of rage. How do you think that's going to work out? <laughs> well, yeah. How'd you like to be a cop assigned to wherever those people are protesting and, and marching and the rest? Well, go guard these people and keep them in line, rest, that sort of thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. How about that? Huh? I mean, those cops are going to be bundled up in three layers of body armor and uh, two helmets. You know, got a small helmet on my head, another bigger one on top of that. Two, la- two layers well, of helmets. you know, they are part of the problem, and the thing is... You I know, know they're I part reading, of the problem. I was reading uh, one of these uh, things from this the Black Lives Matter and, and the, the shooting in Dallas, and the whole thing was, well, I want to kill cops, and I want to I kill white cops, okay? That mm-hmm. was his thing, white cops. Like, there's a difference between white and black cops. Man, yep. the, I'm telling you, the black community better pull their head out of their dark spot and come to the realization that they don't see you any different than they see me. If they've got a uniform on, they don't care what color no, your I skin understand. is. And this is the difference between blacks who may be police officers and niggers who will never be police officers. The niggers want to shoot cops. All right. They're not the people you talk to. They want to shoot cops that are white. The niggers will shoot any kind of cop. All right. At least from my perspective. Different culture, different set of values. Um, I don't know. Now we got, you know, we got deep problems, and I do think the whole racism thing, because they recognize they have created a real mess. You know, they meaning the people in charge, and they need to figure out. Well, okay, we got a real mess. Everybody's gonna be really angry here, pretty soon. Yeah, I know. We got to figure out a way. We got to direct that anger, because if we don't, they might realize it's us yeah but they didn't they're not just talking about directing that anger they have created that anger by years of refusing to deal with the problem of iq this is a big taboo nobody wants to talk about it and they're saying oh if you don't have the same thing white people has that's proof of racism and you're entitled to be angry and we wind up with a bunch of black guys walking around and glowering all the time because they've been oppressed no you haven't been oppressed you ain't got game anymore than i've been oppressed i love playing basketball when i was a kid 
but I wasn't good enough to be on the high school team. I would never have been good enough to be on a college team, and I'm not good enough to play professional. Love the game, but I ain't got game. You understand? And I never did, never could. It wasn't part of my deal. It should not. Nobody came up and said, well, Al, you're entitled to bomb the stadium. You know, go shoot some, <laughs> go shoot some referees or some damn thing. All right, but only black referees, not white referees. Only that's, shoot black referees. That's right, yeah. Look, you can't give people this phony baloney excuse and say the reason you're failing is not your fault. And they have created a problem now that is blowing up in everybody's face. And this is going to be, I mean, how are you going to explain this to people? And this isn't a question of encouraging people to accept a second-class citizenship. It's just a question of saying, look, you got to take personal responsibility for your own life. You're not being oppressed. In fact, you're being subsidized. Who do you suppose is providing the money for most of the little black kids that are on welfare? And the women that are on welfare and the men that are on welfare, is it coming from the brothers and the sisters in the hood? Are they providing that? Or is that, is that welfare support coming from whitey? And yet blacks want to turn around and bite the hand that's feeding them. And as whites, we're supposed to just sit here and put up with it, put up with it, and put up with it, and say, wow, that's all right, they're, they're oppressed. No, they're not. You know, Martin Luther King, he said at one point in his I Have a Dream speech, he said, I have a dream that one day my little children will be judged by the content of their character rather than the color of their skin. That day, that day has come. It's long gone. Long, it's been here for a long time. And there's a third, I'd guess, Maybe more, but I'll bet you there's at least a third of the Negro community in this country that wants nothing to do with that part of Martin Luther Luther King's dream. They don't want to be judged by the content of their character. They want to be judged by the color of their skin. They said, look, look, I got black skin. Give me something. Give me something. You owe me. I don't have to take care of myself. My skin is black. Well, you know, it's not any different, really. You know, they didn't wake up one day with that attitude. They have been conditioned. No, they've been taught to. They've been conditioned, and they've been allowed. Yeah, well, conditioned. I mean, they've been rewarded for mm-hmm. being that way and and punished when they want to do, hey, I want to take on the culture of this country. I want to succeed. I want to learn. Oh, you're an Uncle Tom. Uh, yeah, you know, maybe so. <laughs> maybe so. Maybe I'm a licensed plumber. Maybe I'm Uncle Tom, maybe I'm a licensed plumber, maybe I got myself a decent job and I'm able to support my kids, while some of the people in in the African American community are sitting back and say, You can't do you get you too white. That's you know? Right. I'm gonna beat the crap out of you because that they get this. Yep. They get this that the solution to the problem is to become white. Okay. I don't mean dye your skin like Michael Jackson. I'm saying you need to recognize that white is a culture. It's a system of values that's open to anybody. What happened to Japan after World War II? They were nuked twice and destroyed. What happened to them? American industry went over there, and the Japanese became white. They embraced the white culture. And bang, they became the second largest economy in the world. Now they're number three after China has been encouraged to become white, and to yep. some degree it has. It's a culture. It's not a race. White is not a race. But we, it's a culture, and you can be white if you want or not. But we go to the black culture, okay, yep. and we see this, and, oh, if you're too white, you get beat up, you get ostracized, yep. you get everything yep. else. Now let's go to the police culture. It's similar. 
It's almost identical, oh, actually, I, I get because that. you're a cop. You go along with things. You might say you're a good cop because I haven't shot anybody today. I haven't taken any graft. I haven't taken any bribes. I'm a good cop, although I sit there and watch my cro crooked partner beat the crap out of people and shake down businesses for money. I'm a good cop, though, because I yeah. don't do those things. No, you're not a good cop. You're That's a right. bad cop just like the other cop. And if you do turn in your cop partner for being a crook, what are the other cops going to do? They're going to ostracize you. You're going to be Uncle Tom is who you're going to be of the police. Oh, yeah. So yeah. it's the same culture. It's a culture of ignorance is what it is. And it's a culture of fear. It's a culture of corruption. I mean... Why do you keep anybody in line where they can't say what they want to say? And the answer is somebody's making a buck. Well, and when and did it become... Somebody's making a buck or somebody's exercising some power, and don't you blow the whistle on my racket. And when did it it's become true okay? With cops, it's true with blacks. You know, to, to turn a blind eye to criminality that harms other people. Now, look, people can say, well, what about Bonnie and Clyde? Well, Bonnie and Clyde were kind of... They were robbing banks, and they were giving money to poor people and living it up themselves. The blacks, man, these guys in the hood are selling dope to kids in their own neighborhood. Mm -hmm. They're destroying their lives, okay? They're going by and having their little gang war shootouts and killing kids on the side of the street. Okay, this is different than the, you know. And nobody cares. They say black lives matter, but they don't appear to matter to blacks. If they did, they'd do something about the drug dealers and the gangs that are doing that are causing these problems. That ain't Whitey doing a white drive-by shooting in the black community. But the thing is, they got the same mentality as cops. You can't say anything because then yeah. you're an Uncle Tom and you oh, betrayed your race. Oh yeah, I know betraying your race. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's important. Same thing with the yeah, cops. Got to maintain. And you know what is really offensive about this? Is, I mean, you can talk about cops. We get whistleblowers once in a while. But they are certainly no more common and maybe not as common within the black community. There's some people in black in the black community who, who actually are, are condemning. Yeah, there are. You know, and then and they're saying, look, we're screwing up by the numbers. This isn't Whitey's fault. Well, right? I mean, look, there's hey, some Bill people that are doing it, but there's no more. I don't know how much money they're making off of it. And some of them may be making money, but there's a bunch more. It's like well, being a TV evangelist to come out and promote the idea that you white folk need to murder some white, or you black folk need to murder you know, some whites because you're entitled, because you've been oppressed. This I have been oppressed. You've been judged. Martin Luther King, again, I have a dream that one day my little children will be judged. They didn't say they'd be given a pass wear their hats cockeyed and their pants down around their thighs and the rest of that sort of thing and act like a damn fool. He said, I have a dream. My children will be judged, judged, not given a free pass, judged on the content of their character. Okay, show me some character. You know, Barack Obama showed us the illusion of character, at least, and it was sufficient to get him elected. Showed him the showed us the illusion of white character. You think he could get elected as you think Snoop Doggy Dog is going to get elected president? Well, not not in this cycle. Hillary probably not. Not while Trump is running. But in the next election after that, do you think Snoop Doggy Dog is going to get elected? You know, after that, after this, who knows? You know, not okay. Not up till now. No, no way. But hey, in the future, who knows?
I saw the documentary Idiocracy. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I know how yeah. bad this can get. Yeah, I know. You know, I mean, this is, yeah, so, you know, we, we laugh and go, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to save this recording, and here in 10 years, we can see and see if Snoop Dogg is. Uh, they won't uh, have recordings in 10 years. <laughs> It'll be all wiped out. It'll, Google will, it won't be on Google, and therefore it won't exist. Ah, there you go. There you go. I got, uh, you know, one of the things that bugs me, I mean, black people want to bitch and moan about white man is responsible for their problems. We're not. Got enough trouble trying to put food on the plate for ourselves without having to support black people, too. We're just trying to get by. Like, oh, you're racist. No, I'm not racist. I'm just trying to make a buck. I'm trying to get by in this, in this life, you know? And uh, you get blamed for it. You've been held accountable for things you haven't done. And people that try to hold you accountable, they insist on this racial perspective. And it's the same thing that we see with Barack Obama. What I mean by that is he, his support in a black community is almost, is nearly unanimous. It's not. Well, There's it was. Percentage, but yeah, it was, and it still probably is. I'll bet you that at least 90, 95% of African Americans still support Barack Obama, even though he has allowed hordes of Mexicans to come into this country who are mainly taking black jobs. If the blacks were not intrinsically racist, why do they continue to support the man who has helped bring, I don't know, hundreds of thousands, maybe millions, I don't know how many Mexicans have come in under his administration. Yeah, probably. And they said, oh, but we're still going to stick with Barack. Why? Because he's black. Well, that's that's racism. That's racism. You understand? Even you won't even do what's right for yourself. It, the whole thing is if Barack, if Barack was a white guy, well, yeah, of course, we'd be against him for letting the Mexicans well, in. We ignore it as blacks because he's black, we're black, we stick together. That's racism. Well, people, That's the thin blue line. That's don't, tell, don't blow the whistle on your partner. The rest of it. And then they bitch about racism. They're the biggest racist in this country. Well, and the hey, this goes a lot deeper than just you know, a group and, or a leader or anything like that. I mean, okay, take Bill Cosby, for instance. Yeah. Now, there's a guy who did pretty well, and he was, if you'll remember back a few years, he was being public about, look, you know what? The reason you ain't got any money is because you ain't got any brains and you're just lazy and you don't do anything. It's your own fault. I agree. Pull up your pants and get to work. Come on. Yep. And he was saying that. What happened to him next? Next, oh, 30 years ago, here comes women that he sexually abused me 30 years ago. And, uh, you know, and now he's got a big problem. He was silenced because he came out telling the truth about his own people. That's what I believe, because what, what, 30 years? It took 30 years, really, for these women to come out and figure out they were sexually abused by Bill Cosby? What made them decide, oh, today's a good day after 30 years to come out and accuse this man of heinous crimes against me? Who told them now's a good time? Who paid well, somebody for their stood up. I can understand it from this perspective. People are very reluctant to stand up and speak out about anything. All right? It's the last thing people want to do is speak in public. Right? They'd rather run naked down the street <laughs> than stand up and speak in public. Some woman stood up, and the others presumably 
or encouraged. She found the courage to stand up and speak out as crazy as it it seemed and sounded, and the others jumped in and they said, yeah, yeah, that happened to me too. Now, we can wonder how many of the people are telling the truth and how many people are not telling the truth. This case is bizarre because where is the, you know, I'm not saying, and I'm not defending Cosby. I'm inclined to think he's probably guilty, more probably guilty as charged. I'm inclined to think that, and I could be wrong. But the point is, where is the evidence for something that happened 30 years, 20 years, 10 years, five years ago? Well, the fact that a bunch of people say this doesn't make it so. Well, and, and you know what? I'm not even, I don't, you know, I don't doubt that it certainly could be true because that's how business is done in Hollyweird. You know, you're you're some young girl, and and what? What do you think you're talking to Bill Cosby about? Mm-hmm. Oh, I want to be an actress. Oh, really? And how do you think that happens? It's not just Bill Cosby. It's no, the I understand. way it's done. In you got a Hollywood. million people trying to be uh, Angela Jolie, right? Angelina Jolie or Brad Pitt. And I've got All the right? key to the so how do we? And you're one of them. How do you how do you differentiate yourself yeah. from the others? And ultimately, it means you allow yourself to be used. Right. I got the key to the dressing room. Now, Mm -hmm. what are you willing to do? Well, gee, that's the way it's done. So why, after 30 years, did somebody find the courage to come out against him? I can't answer that, but I can understand understand that this is a credible, it's a a plausible explanation for what happened. I don't deny it happened. I don't deny he did it. 10, 20 years. And they finally said, all right, you son of a bitch, I'm going to go public with this. I don't care if the world thinks I'm, a, I'm crazy. I'm still going to tell the truth. I'm not going to carry this to my grave you know, in silence. It could happen. Did it happen? I don't know. Nah, I think I it's care. more likely somebody said, listen, how'd you like a payday? We got to bring this guy down. We're not telling you that, but you well, poor it, abused I, you. How about a payday? Possible, but I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not inclined to think that Cosby's been targeted just because he was criticizing other blacks. But uh, and then on the of... other hand, again, not to defend Cosby as any good guy, I I too believe, and I I don't know, but I believe that he probably did what they said he did. Yeah. But then again, I believe every producer, every director, and when I say every, obviously there's always you know uh, exceptions to the rule. But the rule is. You know, you sleep your way to the top in Hollyweird. That you know, and there's exceptions, obviously, but that, no, I that's what Some goes people on. Have, yeah, I, I get that. It's not a hundred percent rule in the rest of it, but it's it's a big influence on sure. on whose careers get get started and whose careers just right. And it's not just and it's not just Cosby. The whole thing is, what's the motivation after thirty years to come out and ruin this guy's career? And and his credibility, because his career was pretty much over anyway. But his credibility, and what does that matter? Because his career was over. Well, the only thing he was doing was speaking out against the black community. So, you know, I just do a little math there, and it adds up to be somebody shut him down. Because they can't have the truth. Are you doing new math again? I am. And just like Uh you said... They can't have the truth. They can't There's do without this thing. There's the problem with it. Somebody's got to just deal with the truth of the matter and get on with their lives instead of bitching and moaning about things that aren't true. 
but they can't that's have that. the problem and then black community's been encouraged to believe things that aren't true they can't have that though and obama's have good evidence that you know what they've been I mean, how the hell can you sit back and say, oh, racism is the reason the brothers and the sisters are. You got a black president. You got a black attorney general. You had the attorney general before Loretta Lynch was black. All right. You got Oprah Winfrey. I don't know. I'm not telling you that everybody in the black community is is uh, is getting rich and the rest of that sort of thing. But I guarantee you, if this country was as racist as as some blacks would have you believe, we would never have elected Barack Obama. He would not have been nominated, all right, let alone elected. It could not have happened if there was anywhere near as much racism as some blacks would have you believe. And this is where you get back on the problem. You've got to take personal responsibility. You're not a rocket science because you can't do math. Well, and Obama wouldn't have got elected either. I mean, he's the first affirmative action president. I mean, look at how he got elected. I mean, look at how he even started in the Senate, okay, of of. You know, he. Well, you're right about that. You know, I mean, here he is in Illinois, and, you know, okay, there's a Republican going against him for the Senate, and all of a sudden, oh, he's a child molester or something, right? I don't know. I don't remember. I don't. Well, yeah, it was some sort of sexual crime or something that the Republican had to drop out for. And then, amazingly, they couldn't find one other Republican in the whole state of Illinois to run against Barack Obama. So they had to bring in Alan Keyes from Maryland to run against him. Yeah. Okay, so everybody's like, well, I don't care who, you know, who the guy is. At least he lives here, right? So we'll yep. vote for him. This just isn't right to bring somebody from another state, even though he's another black guy, right? But yep. so Obama gets in there and what? Two years in the Senate, and he's running for president? Yep. Who gets to do that? It is a little bit unprecedented. Well, yeah, he's got no birth certificate. He's got no educational records. He's got no uh, 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 student financing records. He's got no medical records that we can see. He may be Muslim. There's that. It says he's There's a Muslim. bunch of people who think he's married to a man. I don't know. I don't, I, I don't speak to that other than to it, say that. I'll bet you five, ten percent of the people in the country believe he's married to Michelle is actually Michael. Well, and she might be because yeah, I mean, it might be. You know, there were the stories about him with that guy in the limousine, you know, smoking crack and doing the nasty together. And it appears that you know he certainly is sympathetic, at least sympathetic to the homosexuals. Yeah, he lit up the White House in a rainbow flag. Yep, you know. And then, and then on his on his school records, it says he's a Muslim. Yeah. Okay. So and boom, he's president. I mean, he bumps, well, he bumps off he bumps off he bumps off Hillary Clinton. At the time, she was like the the shoe in. It's like, hey, you know, she's the one. Not only know. not only did he bump her off, but what astonished me in a then and now is that an attorney who was close to the Clintons was the first one to dig up the information yep. that Barack Obama didn't have a birth certificate. We actually had him on a, His name was Phil Berg out of, out of Pennsylvania, and he, uh, he's he been on AVR several times uh, during that time, and he was the first one. To, and he said he got the information from Clinton, the Clinton campaign. Anyway. Clinton. All right, I knew he was close to the Clintons, and I assumed, and I, the way I understood it, he was a lawyer 
who dug up this information. Yep. And, and, and however it worked out, Hillary Clinton had to have access to this information. The oh. Democrat Party had to have yep. access to this information, and they just ignored it. Hillary didn't even bring this up. It would have been easy for Hillary or some political action committee that was supporting Hillary. Hillary could say, oh, I had nothing to do with that. It was this political <laughs> action committee. It had nothing to do with me. Political action committee says Barack Obama wasn't even born in this country. She never did that. Nope. And I doubt that anyone has ever run for the presidency who wanted to be president more than Hillary Clinton, and yet she didn't do that, which means, tells me some sort of pressure was exerted on Hillary where she shut her mouth and she gave up her shot at the presidency back in 2008 in order to play Secretary of State for a while, and now she's running in her golden years. Yeah. You know, it's so very strange. This is the whole thing is just stinks and it sucks and blah blah blah. Yeah, it does, and it's and it's not getting any better. Yeah, I know. You know, that's the whole thing because they refuse to even go in the direction. And I realize, okay, so you're the powers that be, and you go, well, look, our game, this isn't working out, and uh, hmm, let's see. I okay, we got to start telling the truth, but we can't just drop it all on them because they'll kill us. So let's just. Go in that direction. They're not even doing that. They're going no, in no. the opposite direction. More lies, worse lies. Yeah, no. You know, and it's just ridiculous lies that are. It's like you know James Comey. Well, she didn't intend, even though that's not part of the statute. That is not an element of the crime. You know, and it's not a crime. It's a penal violation. And you know, but yet, up, oh, she's off the hook. Yeah. What? You know, there are suspicions. That Bill Clinton is responsible for killing Vince Foster back in the day. Vince Foster, former one of their associates, partners at the Rose Law Group out there in Arkansas. There are rumors and stories, which may be just, you know, internet nonsense, that Hillary Clinton had an affair with Vince Foster. There's a lot of evidence to back that rumor. Well, I understand. And if it's true, and if it's true that Bill killed him, it's almost impossible to believe that she has no idea what went on there. She is some kind of an accomplice, assuming. I mean, we're, we're putting a bunch of pieces together and creating a hypothesis here. That it's not, it's not the first, we're not the first ones to do this by any stretch of the imagination. But still, there is a list of, it was 26. Congressman Dannemeyer found something like 26 people who had died under mysterious or violent circumstances who'd been closely associated with Bill Clinton. That list has expanded to something in the 40s or 50s yep. by now. Um, it is almost inconceivable that Hillary Clinton has been some kind of a participant in one or more of those deaths. And when you see what happened at Benghazi, her indifference to human life demonstrated there and in other situations, let's put her in the White House. Sure. Should we be surprised if we wind up seeing something like death squads in this country? Should we be surprised if Hillary stops or if Hillary starts killing her opponents, her critics? I mean, you mean continues. Yeah, I mean, it continues, and perhaps in a more obvious way, in a way comparable to the way Stalin 
ultimately killed a bunch of people. They didn't pussyfoot around and hide and pretend it was somebody else arrested. Everybody knew this was Joe Stalin that was causing millions of people to die. I'm not predicting that Hillary's going to cause millions of people to die. But on the other hand, if it were necessary to implement some sort of a some sort of FEMA camps and lock a bunch of people up, I would not be absolutely stunned, amazed, and completely surprised if it turned out that people started dying in those camps. I mean, do you want someone in a position of power who is, you know, there's evidence to suggest that she may have been complicit in one or more murders. Is that what you want in the White House? Is that what you really want in the White House? I mean, what is happening to this? Well, yeah, I know, and it may be that we haven't had a president. We may have never had a president who wasn't willing to kill people. But we sure didn't have a president who was willing to essentially brag about it to the public. And although Hillary hasn't bragged about it, you know, her conduct was say, look, I can get away with murder. I can get away with murder. I can get away with taking my email on any server well, I want. You look, at, you, you look at the Clintons, and they are a team. They are a package. Whether people, you know, there is no separating them. And, you know, why should we even try? Bill Clinton's the one that he was so funny and clever, wasn't he, when he told everybody, hey, uh, my favorite, me- my favorite uh, campaign slogan is buy one, get one free. He said that. You know, so, look, they can't now go, oh, well, it's not fair to pick on Bill Clinton. Yeah, no. You know, I yeah, understand. well, you know, the thing And is, what you mean by that and what he meant by that, that the, by that slogan is that you would get him in the White House, but you would also get Hillary. Right. She would be functioning as if she were elected to public office. And she and was. she actually tried to do that. Yeah. She tried to implement health care. Yep. She was exercising probably more power than, uh, than Clinton's vice president. Absolutely. You know, and then... Yeah. You know, but if you look at the Clintons, ever since, like, 1972, when Hillary Clinton was part of the investigation of Watergate and nearly got disbarred, and she was fired from that post for being a liar, falsifying records, stealing public records, and lying, okay? She got fired from her post for that, and she almost got disbarred. From 1972 until this day, there have been almost continuous investigations of the I understand that. I mean, from the governor of Arkansas two times, to the Senate, to the uh, Secretary of State, to the White House, even leaving the White House. They had to give back so many hundreds of thousands of dollars because they stole furniture and wrecked uh, computers uh, on their way out. I mean, it's like, this is a criminal family, and, and they have been for a really long time, and I don't get it. I really don't get it. I, okay, I kind of get the Barack Obama thing. I mean, I get the black community going, hey, this guy looks kind of almost like us. Let's vote for him. Let's have a... I can even get white people saying, hey, wouldn't that be cool? To have a black president for once, maybe we could shut these people up once and for all about this racism thing. Let's, yeah, let's vote in a black guy. I get that. I mean, I understand people might think that way, but I cannot fathom what are people thinking who support Hillary Clinton. I understand that. I got the same thing. 
you know, I see I see s- surveys and polls that indicate, up until recently at least, that Hillary was at some time. I saw one Hillary was allegedly of eleven points above ahead of uh, Donald Trump, and I just sit there and shake my head. It's like, my God, am I the only one in this nut house? They're not giving any meds to. Is that the problem? <laughs> How come the rest of them get meds and I have to deal with this straight up? Huh? Answer me that. Where's my meds? Yeah, well, and, you know, and it's I just don't get it. I mean, I really don't get it, and okay. I don't even know if it's true. I don't I think, think it is these true. damn surveys, I think they're, I, I think if this gets to an actual election between Hillary and Donald Trump, I think she's going to get beat so bad it's going to be an embarrassment. But I also sit back and I say, oh, my God, what if, that, what if I'm wrong? Yeah, what I mean, if, everything's know. so crazy in this world right now. My God, this is insane. But what happens if everybody gets out there and everybody actually votes for Donald Trump and it's a landslide, yet when they count the votes, Hillary wins? Like I in have California. No like in California. Do you realize they, they shredded one million Bernie Sanders ballots? Yeah. Well, he only lost by 200,000 votes. If he so why won. isn't someone going to jail or actually even going up? You know what should be? You do vote. You, you, you interfere with the voting process in this country. It should be treated as an act of treason. I don't care if all you did was steal five votes. You're going to be tried for treason. Trial will start in about 30 days. If you are found guilty, you will be hanged within 24 hours of the verdict, if well, not within you know, 60 I think minutes. That, I, I, I would be in favor of that. However, I would, too. There's something to you remember. Still votes, you falsify votes. You falsify an election. You create a computer voting machine that is capable of being subverted. We're going to try your butt for treason. And if I'm not saying the jury will find you guilty, but I'm telling you, you risk your life. You interfere with an honest vote anyway, and you are risking your life. I think that'd be so a good, I think that would be a good law to have. But I agree. the problem, one of the problems I see is the fact that, okay, so they shredded a million Bernie Sanders votes. So they threw the election. Well, the Democratic primaries, just like the Republican primaries, it's not a government function. It is a private organization's vote. It's just like going down to the VFW and voting for your post commander. You know, okay, hey, if uh, they monkey the election at the VFW, it's up to the members of the VFW I understand to that. take care of it. Nobody else. And it's not against the law. For them to monkey their own to Bernie Sanders on this? What? Yeah. I mean, Bernie Sanders, if you and I are talking about something right now that allegedly a million votes that were allegedly for Bernie Sanders were, were shredded. Shredded, yeah. Okay. And now Bernie Sanders is supporting Hillary's nomination and he's going to work with her to get her elected. I don't know what... Why isn't why hasn't he pulled a gun on her? <laughs> but yeah. You know, there was a time in this country when we had Benedict Arnold and whoever else it was he was having his his uh uh duels with and the rest of that sort of thing. You pull a stunt like this and somebody's gonna shoot you. Yep. 
And what we're living in, no, Bernie, you got robbed, Bernie. <laughs> and Bernie's, oh, that's all right. <laughs> hey, good, I don't mind being robbed of, by Hillary. You know, she's, you know, she's, oh, God. She can't help it. She's a, she's just that way. But, you know, hey, there was a there was a time when one of my favorite presidents, Andrew Jackson, shot a man because he insulted his wife. Yeah. They shot him. Boom. Yeah, <laughs> Alexander Hamilton was killed in a duel. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And the country was probably a lot better off. Why do you think that was? Why did they have those duels? Well, because it was always a matter of honor. And not only that, it was a matter of intent. If someone committed a crime back then, it wasn't easy because, because you had to prove intent. It wasn't easy to get people convicted of a crime. But just as it would be relatively difficult to convict someone of maybe stealing my car, it would also be relatively difficult to convict me of shooting the SOB for stealing my car. And what I'm trying to get down to is maybe the world functioned on the basis that if somebody steals your car, you deal with it. Don't come calling us. Well, hey. You know, handle the problem. You maybe have, I don't know. Maybe that was a better solution. I don't know that it was. I don't hey, want to believe. U.S. law. Maybe it's possible. U.S. law. Horse thieving was a hanging offense. Mm-hmm. You steal a man's horse, you're going to be hanged. Yeah, that's it. You know, yeah, and what is a horse today? It's your car. Yeah. Now, grand theft well, auto is a pretty serious crime, but they don't hang you for it. Maybe they should. I understand that. Oh, you're a carjacker? Well, you better hope yeah. you get away with it. Hmm? That car better have a full tank of gas. <laughs> because if you are going to, you know, you got you got some traveling to do yeah. if you want to keep that vehicle. Because if we catch you, you're going to swing. It was one of the things that we look back, you know, on the founding, in the era of the founding fathers and whatever, and we think this was a wonderful time politically and the rest of it. And... Maybe it was, but it was also a very responsible time. Yep. You had to be responsible in a completely different way than is true today. If your wagon runs over somebody, I don't know what they did. I, don't, I have no idea what the, what, what, what the law was involved, but it wasn't, it wasn't where you had insurance on the nope. car. And insurance would pay off on whatever damage was done to the person. Well, that you basically, had you had to take care of their wife and kids. Yeah, I understand. You know, if he was the breadwinner of the family, you know, you had to uh, take care of the wife and the kids from now on. They're your responsibility. Now, you're the new breadwinner for them. And uh, you killed a man's wife accidentally. Okay, may, you know, you had no intent, but she's still dead. You might have had to give up, uh, you know, one of your daughters or something to them, you know, the guy. Something. I mean, you had to m- try to make them whole. And it wasn't yeah, anybody else, and there was no insurance, and you had to Yeah, do that's it. right. That's right. Well, you know, this is one of the things that offends me. You sue the cops, right? Cops have done something, and you've been damaged or injured. All right. Assuming that you are able to successfully sue the cop, who pays for your damages and your injury? And the answer is the taxpayers. Yep. And it should come out of the cop's house, his car, his pension. Uh, he should be paying, you know, $200 a week from now until Hectory's is over, 
or you get paid off on whatever well, the jury. Will. And actually, they set it up, and they don't go by it because uh, I've gone through this here about well, you know, want to sue the county, you got to go to uh, uh, risk management is what they call uh -huh. it. But really, what that is is their insurance company because they're uh -huh. self-insured, which means you uh -huh. know that's no insurance, but. It falls back on the, the taxpayer, but the thing is, you go to them. But how it's supposed to go, if you read the law and the Constitution of the state, they're supposed to be bonded, which means they pay a bond. Yeah. What me? Yeah. Oh, hey, you damaged me. We go have a hearing, whatever. It's proven that you did. This was the, this was the amount. This is what I need to be made whole again. The bond maker pays me. I get paid you know, right the, now. And then whoever was responsible, now you've got to pay the bondholder there. You got to make arrangements, okay, I'll pay you $200 a month for the rest of my life for this is paid off. It wasn't between him and the injured party. The injured party got paid off, right off by the bondholder, by the bond maker. And then the guy who injured you or damage your property was had to had to pay the guy who made the bond. Yeah, you know now, hey, you know you're the one. <laughs> now you're going to be sending him a hundred dollars a month, not me, because I want it now. I want all of it now. Well, let me ask you this: If a police officer, I'm driving down the road, the cop turns on the emergency lights, pulls me over, he asks to see my license and registration. What if I ask to see his bond? Yeah. Does if he doesn't have a bond, and I ask for it right up front, does it become evidence that he doesn't have authority to stop me in the first place? It may. And and same I think with it's a, an interesting idea. Same with a judge. I think it's an intriguing idea. First thing out of my mouth is, "Where's your? Can I see a copy of your bond?" <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Because I no, want to know who to contact. Let's hope I don't get shot, but. I want to know who to contact when you damage me yeah. or injure me. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if, that, if the bond is required in the state constitution, then either he has no authority or we're in some other state. We're in that territory. No, I think that's it. Or something along those lines. But if he's not packing that bond, he's not acting within the state of within the state of Texas. I mean, that's the argument on this. That's the implication. And now, where does he get his? Where this? Where this guy without a bond get authority to pull me over while I'm driving down the road in the within the borders of the state of Texas? I don't Literally, think he has it. I know he doesn't. You know, uh, uh, when they talk about peace officers, I've looked into this a little bit. You know, I'm shooting from the hip on this thing, but uh, peace officers, they have a peace officer's license for cops in the state right now. But I don't think, I think that peace officer's license is within the, it's within this state, the de facto state, the mm -hmm. administrative district, the territory something other than the State of the Union. Within the State of the Union, I think the peace officer, I think your peace officer may be if you have a bond. Well, I mean, I think, yeah, that might be the prerequisite for being the police officer. You have a bond. And here's another interesting point. What if he had a bond and it's denominated in Federal Reserve notes? 
When I ask to see his bond, I want to know if it's denominated in gold or silver coin as required by the Constitution of the United States in Article 1, Section 10, Clause 1. Well, they're not going to have any of this because they no, are, I know they're, they're not, not operating in the state. I know they're of, not. But what does that all what does all of that imply? I mean, it becomes evidence. What if it's your first question? May I see your bond? Do you have a bond? Can you tell me who you're bonding? You don't you don't carry it with? Okay. Can you tell me who your bonding agent is or your bonding co- who 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 provided the bond? Because Constitution says you got to have a bond, Bubba. Yep. And if you don't, where do you get your authority? And is it just is your authority just the fact that you're packing a nine millimeter on your hip? Is that it? I mean, this is dangerous times, but nevertheless, this in you know, inquiring minds want to know where's yep. may I see your bond? And if you don't have one, does that mean you have no authority to arrest me? Well, another thing that a lot of people in this uh, around here long ago were looking into and and in some small way trying to institute, a, you know, find out in court, which I never saw anybody get very far, but was the fact they said, well, listen, and, and this is all true that, you know, like here in Oregon, the Oregon revised statutes are not really the law. They are evidence of the law. Yeah. Because they are put together and rewritten by legislative council. And you know it's not, and they say right there that this these are this is not the law. This is evidence of the law, and they never charge you with the public law. They always charge you with ORS, whatever it is, right? Yep, yep. They don't charge you with the public law. Now every ORS is supposed to have a corresponding. And by ORS law. you mean Oregon Revised Statute, right? Right. And and every one of those is supposed to have a corresponding public law. Now, they may not be identical in their wording, and they're not even identical in their meaning when you go and look at them. I mean, this legislative council... Not only that, they're broken up. They'll take a a new statute that's been passed by the state legislature, and it's my understanding, then it's up to the lawyers to parse that thing out and say, okay, this section, we're going to put this into agriculture, and we're going to take the next section and put that under... uh, I don't know, vehicles, and we'll take the next one and do aircraft or school or something like that. They'll take one law that was enacted by the state legislature and then potentially divide it up into a number of sections that will go into different parts of the, the code, right, the state code. Now, what's interesting to me about that is how can you do that I don't know what the law is in your state, but I'm I'm going to assume that in most states, when you pass a statute, when when your state legislature passes a statute, I'm going to assume that it is at least supposed to have one subject. Now, I don't know that that's followed anymore. I don't know that I'm even right in what I think is going on here, but if it has only one subject, how can you divide the result up and put one section in part of the code, one section in another part of the code, another third section in a third part of the code if it's only based on if it's only supposed to be one subject? Well, and I don't know that that I, I don't know that that is the rule here in Oregon. I know it's the rule when we do uh, 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 ballot measures. 
you know, like when somebody goes that got an idea for a law and they go out and get whatever amount of signatures you got to get and they get approved and now your 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 idea is on the ballot. Now I know that can only be one subject. But I don't know what the legislature if they stick to that or if it's even the law, but I do know that the legislative council not only maybe parses it out, but I know that they also take actual okay, here's what it says, you know, uh Blah, blah, blah. But they take it and they rewrite it. And they say yeah. they do this to make it easier to understand. But oh, yeah. I, but yeah, I've read a few of these things. It's so easy. I've read a few of these things. And yeah. uh, they change the meaning in many of them. Not all of them, but many of them. They, the meaning changes. It's not oh. doing what the legislature had intended to do anymore. Well, maybe well, they don't even know. Maybe the legislature doesn't even know what it intended to do. Congress admits that they don't read the the laws that they enact. That's just standard business up there. They just vote for things or vote against them. They don't even know what they're talking about. They are not legislating. They are brokering laws. Legislation is when you and I and the rest of the congressmen sit down and say, "We need a new. We need a new law on driver's licenses." And you say it should be this way, and I say it should be another way. And after a while, we hash it out, and between a dozen of us, we come up with a law that we're willing to support and put in front of the other 50 or 100 people at the state legislature or the 435 and the, and the Congress. We've got something we can put to them, and then maybe they'll vote for it, maybe they won't. But we write the law. And it's not up to some bunch of shysters to figure out what it was we were talking about. We write the law because we legislate. We are the Congress, the Senate. We legislate. And if there's a problem with the law, who figures it out and does something about it? Should be them. No, the courts. Oh, okay. All right, we've just passed a law. And the lawyers are going to now, the judges are in a position to sit back and say, you morons, look what you did with this driver's. This is the dumbest driver's license bill we've ever seen. That's unconstitutional. Go back and try it again. But it's up to the it's up to the courts to decide whether the law is good, bad, or indifferent. It's not up to some bunch of shysters. And this is a dangerous operation because yeah, I have I don't know what goes on there, but I have little doubt that the group of shysters who works within the state of Oregon, the state legislature, and <laughs> tries to clarify the language for the mm. code. I don't doubt that they're working for the same people ultimately as a bunch of shysters down here in Texas that are performing the same function. Oh, they probably are, and uh, they know. are like the former the the Communist Party. Uh, but I'm wondering now, does the Oregon revised statutes, and that's why they're revised, because they really are. They're revised by a non-legislative group of people, but. I wonder if being charged like, okay, uh, going down the road, uh, uh, you're, you violated ORS, whatever. And that's what's on your ticket. And you go, hey, wait a minute. You know, I'm a man made in God's image, one of the people of the state of Oregon of the perpetual union, yada, yada. And, uh, you know, you want to charge me, it'll have to be with the public law. You know, but yep. this isn't it. Mm -hmm. This isn't it. I wonder if the it's just another device to be used in the territories or districts. Well, I don't doubt that's that's the I'm I mean I'm certainly inclined to believe that's the answer. 
and within the territories of the districts, um, you know, the uh, the pretext that the, the state legislature would be writing laws and these laws would be obeyed as is, uh, that's a wonderful idea for states of the union, but if we're off in some territory, the government can set this up any way they want. Those lawyers we're talking about, they may be under federal control. Sure, and they look at the law and they go, well, this, this we're not going to do this. You know, we're not going to have this. You know let's what else reword, gets me about this? reword this. Not just reword it, but pull excerpts out of it. Sure. We can look. I mean, it's it's entirely, it's it's plausible that we can get a, we can get a dozen or 20 legislators together and they agree on some idiotic law. <laughs> and the law consumes two pages of, of print. And it gets, gets passed and enacted. That law could have sentences or paragraphs within it that don't seem too remarkable within the context of that particular law, that particular subject matter. But that sent, those couple of sentences and or paragraphs could be taken out and said, if we'll use this, there were, they passed a law on driver's licenses, but we can use this for medical care because the words will fit. You take these segments out of the law and you put them in different parts of the code, you're changing the meaning by changing the context. Sure. You know. And they do that. Yeah, I know. You know. I have no doubt. I can't say that I know, but I have no doubt. Well, I know they have. I, have, I, have I, no I know they have done it here in Oregon yeah. because I've yeah. actually sat in a law library with the public law open with the, with the statute that supposedly corresponds to it, and they are not the same. I mean, they don't even say the same thing. They don't do mm-hmm. the same thing. Mm-hmm. You can There's enough of the same that you can see that, okay, this really is what they started with, but then they hacked it to pieces to say what they wanted it to say. It's it, it, you know, and it's all done extra legislatively. Mm-hmm. You know, and I and there ain't nothing in the Constitution that allows for that. So, and you're talking about your state constitution. Yep. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. I understand, but again, that's the Constitution, the State of the Union. Right. What's its relevance to an administrative territory and or state of the United States? rather than a state of the United States of America. Well, they run the, they run the state like it's a municipality of Washington D.C. I understand that. You know. And I don't doubt if it's a state of the United States, that's what it is, as opposed to a state of the United States of America. Now, what's his name of the union? Well, we we have a caller, but oh my gosh, there's one little statistic here that I wanted to that wanted to point out to everybody out there, you know, because Black Lives Matter and all those guys are focusing on all all the people, all the blacks being shot by cops, right? Yep. And, you know, really, I hey, as much problems as the black community has, I side with them against being shot by the cops uh, to the rate they are. But you know what? <laughs> Again, they're being very vocal about the cops shooting blacks. However, the statistics from 2015 are 1,502 people were shot and killed by on-duty police officers. Okay. 1,500 for the year of all races put together. 1,502. Mm-hmm. Of that, 732 were white, 381 black, 
uh, 382 were of unknown or other race. So, you know, there are more white people by far killed by police than any other race. Yeah, there's more white people in the country than there are blacks. I mean, what the numbers ultimately mean, and the blacks point to this as evidence of racism, this disparity in the number of blacks that are locked up in prisons. Right? Well, yeah, there's more blacks, but they commit more crimes, too. You know, I saw one so I saw one statistic today. You are 500% as a white, you're 500% more likely to be shot by a black and than than blacks are to be shot by by whites. Right? And yet the blacks say, "Oh, you're racist, you're racist." The truth of the matter is, you know, the black lives matter and the truth is they don't matter to blacks. They don't matter to the niggers. All right? Nobody's complaining. As long as you get shot by another black guy, it's just some boys in the hood having fun. But, oh, my gosh, let some white guy shoot a black, and it's evidence of some sort. It's time to march. Yeah. You well, know, maybe not. You know? Well, my point but about Maybe those, it's time for white people to start marching. Well, yeah, my point, that's my point about those numbers, is, look, this is a problem. Okay, 1,500 people being shot by cops mm-hmm. is too many. You know, well, and I agree with that. When you look at it, and you go, well, how many of these people were actually armed and, you know, in a situation where they're pulling their gun or whatever, and where, you know, you could say, yeah, I just I just shot him too, right? Mm-hmm. You know, maybe half? That's not good enough. You know, you, And the rest are going under this pretext that the cop thought they had a gun or something like afraid. that, and he was afraid. Let me tell you one of the things that should be done. First time the cop pulls that I was afraid thing, all right, we know the guy's a coward. Yeah, you're fired. Right now, right right now, right off the bat, you have just designated yourself to be a coward. Point two, you seem to think that any time you're afraid, you can shoot whatever it is scares you. All by itself, that's an evidence of a kind of paranoia, a kind of madness, and if you want to keep working for the police department, that's fine, but you don't ever pack a gun again. All right? You're on desk duty or whatever it is you want to do, or maybe you're not employed at all. But I would say that you got any cop out there who's shot one person because he was afraid, if they continue to employ him and he shoots another person, I think you should be able to sue the county, the city, whoever it was, that employed that cop knowing that you can't trust him to be responsible in the use of a firearm, that he'll just shoot people anytime he succumbs to fear. Yep. Right, you employ that guy. We are going to break your financial balls. You're going to be wishing to God you had never seen that cop. Well, but if they're going to admit, oh, I was scared. Okay, you're a coward. And if you think you get to shoot people anytime you're afraid, you can't be a cop ever again. Or if you are, you can't ever pack a gun. Oh, I agree. Find a new occupation. You're gone. You're out of here. I absolutely agree. Want to take yeah. our caller now? Well, we could we could keep talking for another <laughs> forty minutes, and he would never get out. So I guess we better take him now. All right, go ahead, caller. Well, thank you, gentlemen, for taking my call. And as I've said, when this is Jay from Washington, by the way, and as I've said before, your show moves along rather quickly. So the topic that I wanted to talk about was over a half an hour ago. But that's I'll get to that. But Frank just brought up a pretty interesting uh, point about more whites being shot by cops. I heard of some audio today on my way home from work about a professor, a black professor. And I, I don't have, I'm, I don't remember at all, but it, it, he came out and then basically said the same thing as Frank, that, that whites 
are far more likely to get. And, and it, well, it's not like an opinion. This is fact. He, he's done like extensive research on it. However, he said at the same time, black males and black females are more likely in a police encounter to get handcuffed, tased, or pepper sprayed. And now when he said that, or when the reporter said that, I said, well, of course. Of course, that makes sense, because blacks are so righteously indignant to everything. Yeah. They're belligerent always. They're just belligerent. You're only doing that because I'm, I'm black, and you just be a racist. So, well, of course, if I'm a cop, I'm going to have to tase this, this, this freaking animal. See, whites aren't generally like that. No, whites can be violent, sure. I, I get that, but whites generally aren't belligerent. They're, they're generally, they're, okay, I'm, I did something wrong. The cop told me to sit down, and I'm handcuffed, and I don't want tased. Blacks, no. So that report is out there, and I don't care what statistical bank or what study or where you go. And I've told people this, that you will find that the numbers are quite the opposite of what the blacks out there are, are parroting. And that's all they're really doing, because mm-hmm. they're just a bunch of morons. But I wanted to get back. I don't know that they're all a bunch of morons. I'm not going to make that statement, but well, I would. there's so certainly a high it. percentage of them that behave irresponsible, irresponsible. They're morons. They're morons. I have an opinion, and it's a pretty strong one. Now, I want to get back to Barack Obama, because there's, there's a couple of things that really irk me when people talk about him, and they continue, and they continue, and they continue to call him a black man. He is not a black man. And anybody that keeps saying that is perpetuating, perpetuating the deception, because it's not just a lie. And I don't know if a deception is worse than a lie, but whatever's worse than a lie, that's what you're perpetuating. He's not a black guy. He's half of a black guy. Does anybody remember, or do people forget that his mother was white? Oh, no, I understand. But that's the side He's a mulatto, the but he passes for black. No, no, he right. does not. There was a time no, in the world where does. you could pass for white. Obama is passing for black. Okay, and well, I don't accept that. white, and but, still the African-American community backs him to the hilt. I mean, that's well, just sure. another example. That's because of the they're morons. I revert back to them being morons. But I wanted to get... You know, to tie it all up here with, with Hillary Clinton, see, like you guys said, and it's the truth, she had the thing sewn up. She, she had it. It was a done deal. But then something happened, and this is what I believe. This is what I believe happened. They, they were advancing their agenda, right? Whatever you want to call it, the worldwide communist revolution, whatever you want to call it. And they were moving along pretty good, but slowly, but slowly, right? And they needed a tool. And they thought, you know, a woman... Hillary, at this time, I, you know, I don't think that, that you as a tool is going to be our best tool to, to further advance our agenda. They needed a black guy. Why? Now, that's what they're calling him. I don't call him that. Why? Well, because, look, how, how, how soon after he was elected and how long after that have we heard that any criticism of Barack Obama, you're a racist or a bigot? Well, oh, yeah, I know. to this day, to this day, and it was like incessant, Al, and, Frank, it was incessant for, like, the first year, certainly, on every talking news show, on every newscast, did even the slightest little bit of criticism. Barack Obama today came out and, and said he doesn't favor, you know, stop signs being read. You're a racist if you don't, you know, just, just something benign. And you know what the work. problem is, is the white people of this country have become so cowed by the idea of being accused of being a racist that if you, oh, you're racist, you expect everybody's supposed to just start dancing and, um, you know, it's as if you're shooting at their feet or something. And the truth is, somebody's got to just say, so what? I'm entitled to my opinion, and whether I am racist or not is irrelevant to the facts of this matter. 
racist is a made-up term. It's just a made-up term. It's a way to shut people up. It's the same thing as calling somebody That's homophobe, right. a bigot, a sexist. Yep. It's just a made-up yep. term, and it's like scarlet lettering someone. When someone says that to me, I have, I've had black coworkers say to me, you know, basically accusing me of something, you know, I'm a racist. And I'd say right to their face, you're only saying that because I'm white. And they have no idea how to respond to that. They mm-hmm. shut right the hell up. I said, well, you're only well, saying that because I'm white. For instance, there was a TV thing in Michelle Obama, and I said, man, that is one. I just said, man, that is one freaking ugly dude. And this guy said, what are you doing? I said, I'm just saying. And he said something indicating, oh, I must be a racist. I said, you're only saying that because I'm a white guy. He just shut right the hell up. He didn't know how to respond to that. Yeah, I know. Well, now, here's it the was, thing. I'll let you guys who was, go. Who was the just... black leader? And I can't think of his name. Was it <laughs> the Reverend? I can't think of which one it was. And somebody accused him of being a racist. And he said, how can I be a racist? I'm I'm black. I mean, well, I don't, that would be uh, leader within the community. Manning, maybe? Huh? Manning, uh, that was Reverend either, Manning? That was either Sharpton or uh, uh, Jesse Jackson. I think I it was Jesse that. Jackson. It was one of those two guys. Yeah. I remember and These that. are leaders. They have the idea. They think racist means white. Yeah. You understand? That's the way they think about this. They don't. They can't even imagine that they are. It is foreign to understand. I can't be racist. I'm it, black. Yeah, it, you can. You're the biggest kind of psychosis. In the country. It, it really is. It's a mental disease. It's some kind of psychosis. Barack Obama has come out in the past week a half a dozen or more times saying that we are not a divided country. I mean, does he really <laughs> believe that? We are. The, he can't really believe. It. He can't be that freaking retarded. But. Perhaps he is. Did you see what the <laughs> former Miss, um, uh, Miss Alabama came out yeah, and said? Never today? underestimate Did anybody? the amount of retardation that can take place in the government. Go ahead. No, well, I, I was just asking if any, anybody had seen what the, just Google what Miss Alabama said today. She came out and said that, that she called the, uh, the Dallas shooter a martyr. And, that, uh, and just read the article. It's quite, well, there you go. Just read that. Just imagine if a white guy had come out and said something like that. Reverse, and I know it sounds mm-hmm. silly to keep, you know, Saying that it's like rhetorical. Oh, that's a silly. No, it's not. You know, silly every guy always wants to turn fact, the table. It needs but... to be said. We need to put this on a level playing field, where you can't just say, "Oh, you're racist, you lose. You're white, you lose. You're white, you lose. Right. You're racist, right. you're racist." It's got to just stop that bull. And somebody's just got to say, essentially, "Look, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names aren't going to hurt me, and I don't give a damn. You can call me racist all you want, but here is the truth of the matter. Now, what do you have to say to refute the truth of the matter? And the truth is, it's like getting all fired up and, and rioting because some white guy shot or, a black guy. Or, yeah, and or, or call 60, you a name. Or call you a name, and generally that works. The other blacks in Chicago over a weekend. Yeah. Nobody's, nobody's rioting over that. Of course not. That doesn't fit. The, that doesn't fit into their little narrative. And and I don't even look. I'm just a simple truck driver here. I don't even think they know what their agenda is. I don't even know that what they believe that they're trying to advance when they go out and they just they act like a bunch of freaking chimpanzees. And I don't care if that sounds racist because you are. What I know you what are. you're talking about. I understand what you're talking about. And the important point is, it's hard for any of us to know what we're really talking about. And it's sort of thing where we have to sit back and discern, am I telling people what I believe to be true, or am I 
telling people what I have been sort of conditioned by others to think, believe, and say. Do you understand what I'm saying here? I I'm, do I'm understand what you're saying. You, you but can if see you're it clearly in other people. You can see it in black. Say, oh, they don't, they don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, they don't. That's true. But do we? At what point do, do when you, we be sure no, that we I'm have just, an condition to be almost... You, this rank? Yeah, I do. I don't believe that you're trying to advance some kind of agenda. When people stumble upon this show, it's yeah. I, I can't imagine that they listen for very long. And, and, and you know, but because it's too much truth almost sometimes. It's like, wow, that's like my brother used to say. He's your Jay. You're like too much poison, man. You, you don't even know how to administer just that small dose. You're like, boom. I'm like, well, that's the only way I know how to do it. I'm not trying to advance any kind of agenda or, mm-hmm. or just my opinion, even though it may be a strong one. Look, man. I'm looking up at the sky. It's blue. You can tell me it's green or red all you want. Yeah. It's blue. That's it's the worse truth. than that. They don't just tell you it's green or red or whatever. They tell you you're a racist if you claim it's anything other exactly. than red. Exactly. Exactly. There's something wrong with you. And I'm saying, no, maybe not. Maybe I. Maybe good Lord gave me eyes to see and ears to hear. And I'm just trying to communicate what I've seen and heard to yeah. limit, you know, to whatever limit that the good Lord says. All right, look at this. I'll take a, you know. Take a peek at this, well, see if you can understand. I, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, and, it, and, and I'll just end with a couple of things. I don't know if it's that big of a deal to go back that far to Obama and Hillary, but I think it is important only insofar as what the truth really was of the matter back then. And that's, that, Now, that's just an opinion, really, about how they shuffled Hillary out and, and got Barack Obama in. Moving but forward, how did they get her to shut up? That's what I want to know. And how did they, they not only shut her up, they shut the whole Democrat Party up, which could have been, could have stood up against Barack Obama. They shut up all of the individual PACs that are supposedly independently operated. They didn't come out and say, hey, look, this guy doesn't even have a, a this guy doesn't even have a birth certificate. I mean, that indicates some real power. And then Sarah Palin and uh, what's his name, Lumpy, they ran, they ran for the Republican uh, on the Republican ticket, and they didn't say anything about it. And none of the Republican well, PACs came bigots. out and said, I mean, it's this guy doesn't even, have a, doesn't even have a birth certificate. How did that happen? Right. Well, because the Democrats are always 100% coalesced in the agenda. Now, the, you might have five different factions within the Democratic Party. And individually, yeah, they want to do different things. But the, 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 the brass ring, they always coalesce around the brass ring, and so there was no divide. It was good, going to be good for the party. It was going to be good to advance. Call it the worldwide communist revolution. Call it whatever you want. That's where they're different than Republicans. They will, they will sacrifice themselves to advance the agenda. And they thought, hey, this is going to be good for the party, because they always say that. Evan Bly, if I'm pronouncing his name right, he was a former senator, I think, from Indiana. He's coming. He's going to get back into the race, right? Why? He said, because it's good for the party. He, they, they need to save the party. Secondly, he said, and for the people. So what is it? Is it the party or the people? My point is, the Democrats are an evil bunch of sons of bitches, excuse my French, and they will coalesce around that brass ring, and that's how they got Hillary to step aside. Now, they had to promise her something. They had to promise her to make her Secretary of State, of which she wasn't even remotely qualified to be. And that was, I mean, she proved that. That didn't take long, right? So anyway. Yeah. I'll and, let you guys go. And she gets to be the nominee this time. And she gets to be the nominee. Now, maybe yeah, waiting eight the years to be the around. nominee. Waiting eight years to be the nominee, particularly at her age. 
That's a long stretch. You don't even know you're going to be alive or healthy or well, able. Well, and that, they may have betrayed later. her. They may have, you know, promised the to tour the second time around. So maybe she's got someone well, on the ship on her. I don't think so. Daughter. She got she got to be Secretary of State. That's a pretty high office. Uh, well, she got third to be a in senator line. too. Yeah, and look how much money she made. Absolutely. I mean, I'm it's sure not, that was part of the problem. I, I don't know what they pay her, quarter million a year plus tips, I guess. And yeah. the tips are pretty substantial <laughs> if she can deliver favors in the government and people are willing to pay Bill Clinton a quarter million dollars to do a speaking engagement. They made more money. I just want to know between they the made, two of them who wears. They made more ahead, money with Hillary Clinton being Secretary of State than they ever made with Bill Clinton being president. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because, because you could send Bill out on one of these speaking engagements. I don't think any people. I understand that it can be done, and it undoubtedly has been done. But still, it gets to be questionable why people are going to pay a quarter of a million dollars to hear the, for the first lady speak or even the secretary of state speak. And it's conflict of interest, perhaps. Um, but they set this up where she was making more money than she could imagine. While she and Bill were running this foundation deal, so it's quite unbelievable. Ask, one, it's ask, quite unbelievable. They're very prolific at wearing knee pads or something. It's very. I understand and shameless. Yeah, everybody knows this. It's not like they're concealed in the closet. Anybody can see this if they care to. And this they don't is, care. And this is where I, this is where it's baffling to me. To where any she has any supporters in the real world at all. I mean, like I said, as much as I find Obama distasteful, I can at least understand people's ignorance and saying, oh, yeah, let's do that. He looks black. Let's have a black guy. But the thing is, what is it with Hillary? I mean, I well, just, Frank, I think you said it. I think you said it. And I agree with you. I think she's going to get trounced in, 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 in an election. I just do. I don't see a lot of support I'm for her. I'm inclined to think that, support, too, but, you know, I, I, I wouldn't bet on it. I believe that Trump no, no. should. I believe that Trump should be the overwhelming favorite. But I wonder, and he's going to be. But they're going to rig it. They're going to rig it. She does not have that much support. Oh, but Hillary can't lose now that her uh, that everybody. Oh, by the way, <laughs> everybody in the Democratic Party that supported Bernie Sanders, you've been yep, burned. Yeah, just got thrown under the bus. You've been burned. Yeah, no. You know, and, but wait, nevertheless, guys, I, I don't wanna... vote for Hillary. Sure. I mean, what did what did Bernie get out of this deal to turn around? You know, if somebody had ripped me off for a million a million votes yeah, no in kidding. California, hey, I'm not going to sit down and have dinner with them next month. Well, I'll tell it's you what, it's going to take a long time show? before I get over that, and it's going to be a I'll long time before I you. sit down and I'll, deal with it. I'll make it simple for you. This is what he got out of the deal. Are you ready? He gets to his live. life. Yeah, he gets, he gets to, live. to live. Yeah, he just gets to live. This is the. And Clinton. at the end of the day, that old piece of garbage really just likes to breathe air, and he'll go back to to Vermont and just continue to be a freaking dirtbag because that's all he is. They look, man. They just walked up to him, and you know, just like Guido back in the old days, and they made him an made offer, him an he, offer he can't refuse. And that might sound cynical and blah blah blah. Hey, whatever, man. Whatever. We are where we are because we've let ourselves get to this point. The American people have sat on their butts, put uh, you know on their hands or however you want to say it, for far too long, and we're screwed. Well, we we aren't finished. That. We're just, but it is, but there's a requirement that we have to stand up now. 
Yeah. And we can't just yeah, sit well, there silently like when people now. tell the truth. Even if it there's is like a politically incorrect truth, we've got to stand up and say, yeah, that guy's right. Or that Amen. woman's right. That's well, right. That's, it's true. That's what, you, that's what you're doing. Uh, and I want to leave you with this. You know, I've been a listener now of your shows since you've been on ABR. I don't think I've missed one show. Well, good. Uh, Thank you. You're, I just the, I just wanted to let you know that. Frank, I really all this time I thought showing. maybe I was just talking to Frank, but now it turns out we've got one for sure. <laughs> no, no. So I, I've been listening to your show. I appreciate you listening to, to the it program, and uh, no. we appreciate your phone call. Okay, you guys take care. I'll talk to you later. Thank all you. Right. Good night. Well, there you, you go. Know, it's one of those things, Jay's conversation just now, I'm sure that I say things on the program that make some people wince. <laughs> yes, know, yes, I you get do. For once in a while, you <laughs> may know, you know, people listening to the program know that I do a radio show in the afternoons with Melody Cedarstrom called Financial Survival. And we get into circumstances, we get into situations that you don't hear. It's not broadcast, but I'm ready to say something, and we talk about it during one of the breaks. And there are some serious arguments. You know, there are things that I am inclined to say that make <laughs> make Melody wince, and I'm sure there's things that I say on this program that, that I'm on this program I'm unrestricted, but I'm still saying things that I know make some people wince. And Jay, when he's talking, he makes people wince. I know he does, and I know he's aware of that. All right? And it's, I'm sure he does it, I'm guessing he does it for the same reason I do. Sometimes you've got to make people wince in order to get the idea across. All right? You've got to say things that are so politically incorrect that people say, wait a second, that guy's either lost his mind or he's telling the truth. And which is worse? You've got to do some of this stuff, and it's required. It is a requirement, not just for me, but for those of you that are listening. You don't have to be lunatics. You don't have to be fanatics, but you do have to learn to stand up and speak out in your own communities when the time is, is appropriate. Uh, and if it makes other people wince, you know, some of those people that are silent right now, and you're afraid they're going to think, oh, he must be crazy. Listen, did you hear what he said? They're all going to say you're crazy. You might be surprised. If you are prepared to speak out, you may find other people that are really, they'll come up to you after you get done. And if you're really good and really lucky, they may even stand up at the same time you're speaking and say, yeah, yeah, that guy's right. He's telling the truth. But if no one will stand up and speak, then we all just get pushed around like so much trash, and uh, we lose for failure to speak. And that is, a, that is a profound insight, understanding statement, because if you will not stand up and speak out, with that, and that's all you're risking. You're risking some people might look at you and say, oh, you're a wacko. You got your tin, you got your aluminum foil hat on too tight, the rest of that. All right, some people say you're nuts. I get that. It's not what you want, but it's not the end of the world. And you get used to it. It's not as if someone is shooting. And that's where we're going to go if we don't start dealing with the truth. 
somebody's going to start shooting, and we've already seen a little bit of something like that down in down here in Dallas. Huh? Um, it's fine you get ridiculed if you stand up and speak up. Well, yeah, I get that. But you may have people come up and say, yeah, yeah, I like what you had to say. They may even say it under their breath. Say, you know, I really like what you did last night. Hey, I really appreciate I agree with what you had to say there. They're as astonished to hear you speak out as you are to find out that maybe you're not all alone. You have to send out that signal, so like firing a flare or something like that. And then they say, hey, wait, there's another guy out here. He thinks just like me. That gives people confidence when they find out they're not alone. We're all scared to death that we're alone. Well, and, and, and you know what? That Being scared that you're alone, that that's like a self-fulfilling prophecy if you sit there and say nothing. You know, because That's you go right. back to that whole story, you know, the famous, it's been told a million times, and I don't have it memorized. But, you know, they came for that group. I didn't say anything because I wasn't in yep. that group. They yep. came for yep. the other yep. ones, and I didn't say anything because I wasn't one of the other ones. Then they came for me, and there was nobody left to say anything. Yeah, I know. You know, so if you sit there and you're worried and you're afraid that, oh, boy, somebody might not agree with me, and they might think I'm crazy, and they might point and laugh or whatever, well, just keep silent long enough, and there won't be anybody left to point and laugh. Yeah, I know. We are cowed into silence. You know, and I've talked about this, uh, and, and we need to speak out. And it's not just me and Frank, and it's not enough to listen. You have to speak out, too. You don't have to be crazy. You don't have to be a fanatic. But you do have to sometimes insist on saying the truth and making sure that the truth is heard, is at least as insofar as the good Lord gives you the ability to see that truth and try to communicate it to others. And it's not just an, it's not just about trying to persuade people to believe what you believe. It's again, it's like firing a flare gun and say, look, over here, there's one guy here who believes in this part of the truth. All right. It gives other people confidence. They say, wait, I'm not all alone. My opinions are not just some lunacy as if I've been hearing voices. There's other people out here who agree with me. That is an empowering moment, and you might find a lot of people agree with you. And the only reason we don't think there's a lot of people is because they're all cowed into silence. Got to overcome that. If you see something you think it's true, you know, it may be that you disagree with what I'm saying here 100%. Say, oh, you're crazy. Well, all right. But you still got to say that. And maybe you got to even call up on this program. Say, oh, you're crazy. You've lost your effing mind. Well, we can deal with that. And maybe you'd even help me. Maybe you can show me where I'm making a mistake. But still, you have an obligation to try to tell the truth. The silence will get you killed. Get us all killed. If we all stand up and speak at the same time and we kind of respect each other's opinion and we can come to a point where, you know, you got your side, I got mine, maybe we don't have to pick up a rifle and start shooting people. So what shall we have? Silence or gunfire, Frank? Well, I don't know. You know, people are, I don't, I, in a lot of ways, I don't appreciate Several of the groups out there that are getting the big, you know, Black Lives Matter, the new yeah. Black Panther Party, which I'm not calling them the new Black Panther Party anymore. They're just the Black Panther Party because they're the same party as they were in the first place. 
And, and there's nothing new about them at all. They're the same bunch of criminals they always were. And, you know, but they are at least standing up and saying, look, we are unhappy. We uh-huh. might be directing our unhappiness in the wrong direction. We may have misidentified who the real enemy is. You know, we may be wrong in a lot of ways, but we're standing up and we're saying, look, we don't like this. And, you know, that is something. And, and I don't appreciate their, you know, the way they go about it. And I don't appreciate who they blame either because they're wrong. But the thing is, they're standing up. And yeah. other people need to do that. You know, you need to say, look, hey. Why are they standing up? Because, well, in because part because, they're not afraid anymore. Well, in part because nobody's standing up against them. It's a little bit of nature abhors a vacuum. If people won't stand up, if white people won't stand up for their own rights, why should why should blacks stop standing up for maybe an excessive claim on what they perceive to be their rights? Well, sure, it's like our any look, silence. Our silence as white people, as Caucasians, or members of the white culture, our silence invites criticism. Well, sure, and and it's just, they're just like any uh, any kid. Okay, so you you know you're sitting there and your kid goes, uh, hey. I want candy. No. So the kid starts screaming and kicking and spitting, and they go, okay, fine, fine, fine. Here's some candy. So the kid goes, okay, grabs the candy, and then starts screaming and yelling, says, I want a car. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, hey, why not? Yeah. You know, I mean, this this is the mentality of a child, and why not? I just did something that got me what I wanted. I'm Mm going to do more of that. I want lots of things. You know, so, hey, if that works, then I'm doing that. You know, you can't blame somebody. It's like the Mexicans coming over the border. Well, gee, it's illegal. You shouldn't do it. It's not right. But, hey, you know what? They're letting me. They're inviting me. They're paying me once I get there. If I want a job, I can have one. If I don't want a job, I can get welfare, food stamps, free school, free medical, free this, free that. I can get lots of things. Okay, well, it's still wrong, but do you blame them because, hey, they got free. Hey, they're giving no, away free food at the park. I understand. If you want your border defended, defend your border. That's right. If you want to enforce your rights, if you want to have rights, you got to stand up for them. This whole idea, you know, where we allegedly thank the military <laughs> for fighting for our rights. What a bunch of crap that is. Our the American military hasn't fought for any Americans' rights in my lifetime. Right? When did we fight? What? What rights when Vietnam was going on? Mm-hmm. What rights of the American people were threatened by the Vietnamese or the North Vietnamese? They didn't threaten any of my rights. The only people who threatened my rights are the people in Washington D.C. Well, I think they were more. I think they were defending your freedom because you know those North those North Vietnamese were just about to attack the United States. Yeah, I know they would be invading at any moment. So they just uh rowing you know, across the Pacific. That's right. Like, I don't know. Rowing on dominoes. Yeah. The, and their catamarans or whatever it is, they're uh they've got, they have a canoes hollowed out from trees with an outrigger on the side of them paddling for the for the west coast of the United States with guns. Uh, guns, I tell you. Iraq. You know, invading Iraq. Yeah. What rights thing. did they threaten? The only people that are threatening your rights are in Washington, D.C., or your own state capitals. Yep. 
We were not being threatened. And in the military in the bunk, that they're fighting for our freedoms. What a bunch of crap that is. They don't fight for the American people. They fight for the American government and whatever special interests it represents. We have a cult. Well, you know, this is just another one of these things. This is like, this is one of these stories, the idea that the American you know, military are fighting for our freedoms. That is the same kind of bunk that we have about blacks are being oppressed by whites, yep. white racism. We're taught to believe this crap and we parrot it, but it's not true. And we're not going to have a happy ending until we actually, until we, you know, say, look, I'm done with the politically correct crap. I can see something out there that I think is true, and I'm going to try to tell it. And I'm going to try to live according to it. And some of them are saying, oh, you can't, you're not politically correct. Yeah, so what? Well, and that, you know, that was the two purposes I had starting this network. One was to give people who otherwise would not have an opportunity to do a radio broadcast to do a radio broadcast. The other one was to have people do radio broadcasts so people listening could get some ideas about what they need to talk about with the people around them. You don't have to have a huge group, two, three, four people that you know, your friends, your family, whatever. Tell them all. That's exactly right. Yeah. You know, and you pick and choose what you want, what you hear. You uh, You know, one thing that I can honestly say, I don't agree with everybody on this network, and I certainly don't agree with everything everybody says on this network, but I do believe that everybody on this network is sincere in what they're saying. They could be wrong. I can disagree. They could be right. But I think they're all sincere. And, you know, that counts a lot with me anyway. I understand that. If you really believe what you're, you're doing and saying then I don't have to agree with you, you know, uh, more, you know, more power to you. Mm-hmm. But you listeners out there have a responsibility for your sphere of influence. And we all have a sphere of influence. It may be That's big, right. it may be small, it may be whatever. But you have it, and you have to, you've got to tell your sphere of influence the truth. You can't just sit there and go, well, you know, I don't want any problems with my whoever, my neighbor, my brother, my my wife, you know, my whatever, you know. I, yeah, I, I get don't want any problems with them. So I'm just going to keep my mouth shut, and I'm going to go in the garage and listen to this, you know, this radical uh, radio out there where nobody can hear me and all that. Well, that's not doing anybody any good. Well, it's doing one person some good, but it's not doing as much as we need done. Well, you gotta, what you good is it actually? What good have, and what good is it actually doing that one person if he can't tell anybody? You know, I mean, well, you know, I mean, to me, if you tell me a bunch of big deal stuff and I can't tell anybody, that's only good. She's going to frustrate me and make me mad. You know, I'm going to get upset that I can't. You know, I know these things and I can't tell anybody. That's just not good. That's not doing me any good. Oh boy, I get to know. I'm going to be the smartest guy in the FEMA camp. That's not that that's not that's not really any good. I it's not enough, but it's something. Yeah. Right? You know, it's like you know, the starts the voyage of a thousand miles starts with the first step. Uh it's a first step. It's not a thousand miles, but it's a first step. Well sure. Um, well sure. You know, you gotta 
You got to count your blessings, one thing or another, blah, blah, blah. Well, yeah, and I don't expect one person who, the first time they tune in and go, hmm, why, gee, what's this? And, you know, I mean, a lot of this stuff is going to Somebody take... needs to get a little more fluoride in their diet, yeah, don't they? You know, somebody, you know, this stuff, a lot of this stuff is going to take a little time to digest. Oh, I understand that. You know, you're going to go, wow, what the heck? What? <laughs> Really? You know, I got to think about this before I utter any of this, you know, and that's smart. You know, that's not, you know, that's, that's, I don't mind. I'm not telling anyone in the world that you should believe what I say. All right. I'm not telling you that I get this on stone tablets from God or whatever. That's not my, I'm telling you what I think may be true. Looks true to me. Maybe it doesn't look true to you. I'm not saying you should believe, but I am hoping that you will consider what we talk about on this program. Yeah, look into it. Consider it. Think about think it. Think about it. Think about it. Think about it. Think about it. I don't care if you believe it, but at least start thinking. Not just parroting what you've been told, but thinking. And say, wait a second. You know, I don't know. You know, it sounds kind of crazy, but you've got to admit, this part over here, when I think about it, maybe that's true. Think. That's what we're trying to encourage you to do. We're not talking that you got to believe what we say, but we are asking you to consider and think about it. Sure. Right? And then you can talk to your friends. And one other thing about it, when we talk about that sphere of influence, we are taught implicitly to believe that you can't have any effect unless you are Rush Limbaugh or Alex Jones and you got got 100 million people listening to you. All right. Other than that, you can't have any effect. The church, as it was originally conceived, was it didn't happen in in crystal cathedrals. It happened in people's homes. You know, it was just a question of a dozen, five, ten, three people got together, and they started talking about what they about their faith, and and when and when they reached a point where. They seemed knowledgeable enough that one or two of the people out of the three that were there went off and started talking in their homes. And they created people, went out, and it was, you know, the first multi-level marketing system. They just, they sold salvation rather than uh, office supplies or uh, cleaning compounds or something like that. But you have an effect Right? You can't diminish the possibility that you can make a difference just because you're not in front of a crowd of 500 or 50,000 or 5 million. You can still have a positive effect. And you have to take a certain amount of courage in that. You've got a you know, certain amount of inspiration to say, yeah, maybe I can make a difference. I might not be able to move the world, but maybe I can make a little difference. Yeah. So, blah, blah, blah. Frank, do you have anything else intelligent to say? Oh, you're going to throw that part on. Well, no. Well, I thought it was it, <laughs> it was the it was the question we were all too politically correct to ask. You know, I, I mean, anything else to say? Sure, intelligent. Well, you know, I mean, well, we got about three minutes. If you're going oh, to say, oh, that's not it. enough time. I'm about talked out right now. I don't know what <laughs> to say. Um. Well, uh, you know, there's this thing in uh, somebody in the chat room. I, I was not even aware this was going on, but uh, it, it sounds really interesting to me because uh, apparently somebody in California 
was trying to get something on the ballot to split the state into six different states. And uh, they had enough uh, signatures, but then the state threw out, uh, they said, six, now get this, 66, they said 66% were uh, invalid signatures. But how they figure that out is they random sampling. They uh-huh. don't actually count them. Okay, 66 were were valid. Okay, so they, they failed in their number. But I didn't even know. So they took three signatures and two of them failed and calculated that the whole yeah the whole mess of them, 66% of all of them must have failed. Right. And uh, this is how they do recounts also. Okay, they random sampling. People don't know that, that when you actually get a recount, they don't actually go and count all the ballots. They do a random sampling. And then you when you you know, research a little further, you find out that, no, they sample, but it's not random, okay? Mm-hmm. They spe- it's like doing a scientific poll. That's not random, okay? They weed out the people they don't want in the poll long before they ask you any questions that are going to be in the poll. Like, I, I, I got a, uh, back when, uh, oh, gee, when Ron Paul was running for president, I got a phone poll. Oh, uh, who do you want to, you know, who are you planning on voting for? Uh, you know, this, that, or this. And I said, well, actually, you know, you didn't mention him, but Ron Paul. And they go, oh, okay, well, thank you very much for participating. Goodbye. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, oh okay. You didn't even get any Ginsu steak knives or anything no, like that? No, nothing, man. Just, uh, thank you, you know. for playing, you know, guess who's going to be elected and, uh. <laughs> yeah, and wrong knives for you. Wrong answer. You know. So, yeah, so that that's what they do, and uh, this is how it goes. So I didn't know somebody was actually trying to break uh, California into six states. What do you think of that? You think that would be a good idea or what? I think it would. How many of them would join Mexico? Uh, probably all but two. <laughs> you know, from what I, I, I'm looking See, we at. We could break it into six states, and five of them can join Mexico, and we'd still have 50 states in the Union. Yeah, I'm looking at this map. We have the here. one that was left that stayed with the Union, and the other five went with Mexico. Yeah, I'm looking at this map here, and it's like. Would Mexico uh, want it? And, and you know what? It's funny you mention that because it looks just about like four, four, four or five would be, you know, pretty much Mexico. But they pretty much already are. So Well, I'll tell you what, we're going to have to let Ooh. it go, and we'll find out whether Mexico takes over California maybe next week, but we are out of time. I want to thank all you folks for listening, um, considering putting up with us. Frank and I will talk to you next week. In the meantime, the good Lord bless you and me and Frank, the co-host and producer of this program. Good night, ladies and gentlemen.
The political, religious, and medical views presented on various shows heard on American Voice Radio Network are not necessarily the views held by the management of American Voice Radio and are not presented as an endorsement by this network. All statements heard on American Voice Radio are the sole responsibility and opinion of those who speak the particular statement. shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water.
This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It is Tuesday, July 12, 2016, about nine minutes after 8 p.m. Pacific time. If that's when it is where you're at, we're live. 800-932-1980. 800-932-1980 is the call-in number. And, uh, you know, uh, there you go. 
And uh, you can also participate by going to the uh, chat room, which is at our website, theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com. Once you go there, you'll see the uh, chat link over on the uh, left-hand side if you're on a desktop, and it's the menu section if uh, you're uh, on a mobile or something. Uh, there you go. And if you don't have a uh, account, you'll have to create one. And once you do, then you can uh, just sign in and go there. Uh, you can socialize. You can participate in the show. I'm in there right now. I'm looking right at it right now. It's not that many people in there, but uh, hey, you could be one of them. Uh, okay, there's really no uh, housekeeping or anything. So let's just get on to uh, things and stuff. Oh, here we go. You remember the story in Idaho, right? With these little uh, refugee monsters that uh, Obama has let in and the state of Idaho let into their state. The mother of the five-year-old girl who endured a vicious sex assault at the hands of Iraqi and Sudanese refugees in June, said she feels her family is being treated like criminals by local authorities and the media. On June 2nd, she was outside with her daughter when... Boy. All right. Okay. With her daughter when she left for two or three minutes to take a quick bathroom break. And that's all the time it took for the three perpetrators to grab the little girl before dragging her into a nearby laundry room, stripping her naked, urinating on her clothes and in her mouth, and filming the attack until stopped by an elderly resident. But no one will allow her to read the police report of her own daughter's medical records, she said. As victims, it just makes us feel like they're treating us like we're the criminals. I called the victim's advocate a few times to get the records, and she said, I told you several times now, you can't have nothing. And she's like, why do you want this stuff? And I tell her, because it's my daughter, and I want to know, and I have a right to it under our Constitution, she told WorldNet Daily. This, despite what her daughter endured, was almost certainly a rape at the hands of the youngest attacker, the seven-year-old Iraqi living next door, whose Muslim family has ignored eviction notices and allows their son to roam free in the neighborhood. Hey, where's children's services for this? You know, somebody needs to just make that kid a missing person. Sorry. Idaho attorney Mark Gary explained to WorldNet Daily that what the film showed the Iraqi doing to his victim qualifies as felony rape. But authorities are working flat out to hush up the attack, Gary said. She's incapable of consenting. She may very well have been threatened with force or violence. I think even with what little we know, there's a a case here to be made for felony rape. But part of what's going on, in my opinion, is the state is trying to keep this thing well under the radar so they can make a decision about how to handle this without having to face the public and be able to dispose of it as fast as they can without it reflecting badly on them. Nobody wants the scandal of protest over someone being injured by a Muslim immigrant. 
An Obama administration official threatened local residents discussing the rape and third world refugee resettlement with federal prosecution for discussing the case not once, but twice. The victim starts counseling next week, the mother said. She's still traumatized really bad. When she sees boys, she'll tell me, those are bad boys, those are bad boys. And you've got the state of Idaho covering up for these Muslim savages. Boy, you know, I'll tell you something, folks. Uh, Yeah, no, I won't. I'm I'm just relaying the story to you. All I got to say is it's lucky it's not my daughter. Because not only would there be dead Muslims, there'd be dead state officials and dead federal officials. There'd be a whole pile of dead people if that was my daughter. I don't know what people are thinking, that you're going to sit there and what, a police report's going to do something about this? This is unbelievable, folks. You know, and at first, the scumbag, dirtbag sheriff up there, whoever he is, was saying, oh, well, you know, it really wasn't as bad as everybody said. Well, it was as bad as everybody said. Dirtbag, scum, this is why people are shooting you. And it'll continue to happen. You keep it up. Keep it up. And you're going to find out. Dallas was nothing compared to what's coming your way. You better sleep in your Kevlar. And it better be fireproof. Because there's all kinds of bad ways you can go. You keep it up. Now you're letting five-year-old little girls be raped by Muslim savages and you cover it up for them? You got a world of hurt coming your way. I mean, you you better get on your knees and start praying right now because I'll tell you what, you ain't got to worry about me. What you got to worry about is God. And you know what? I hope he makes you suffer. Really, really bad before he makes you watch your whole family die in front of you. Oh, yeah, man, I'm telling you, no mercy for people who cover up things like this. This is heinous. This is beyond the pale. This, you know, this is just, I don't know what to say, folks, other than, you know, you know, it, it's we are on the edge of a revolution with good cause. But on a lighter note, here's a headline. People are furious that Bernie Sanders just endorsed Hillary Clinton. <laughs> yeah, hey, guess what, commies? You've been burned, baby. That's right. That's what happened to you. You've been burned. You fell for his line of crap. He's nothing but a communist. That's what he was to begin with. That's what he's always ever been. And I understand voting for him because, well, he didn't used to be Hillary Clinton. Of course, he is now. (laughs) Funny. I mean, this this is like Donald Trump endorsing 
Ted Cruz or something. Yeah, Lion Ted, that's right. Oh, oh, well, now that Lion Ted has stole the election, I guess I'll support him for president. Yeah, yay, that's what Bernie Sanders did, because she did steal the election from him. She stole the election in 50 different ways from Bernie Sanders. You know why? Because the fix has been in since 2008. The fix has been in since Obama got the nod to be the president. Hillary Clinton gave it up for promises of future White Houseness. Speaking to a crowd in New Hampshire Tuesday, the senator from Vermont thanked the 13 million people who he's now screwing who voted for him during the primaries, but noted he didn't secure enough delegates to win the nomination. Oh, but he did. He didn't buy enough delegates like Hillary Clinton did, because what if all those superdelegates voted for Bernie Sanders? Oh, guess what? He'd be the winner. But, you see, that takes money. Money old Bernie just ain't got. But Hillary did, being flat broke and everything. She had enough money to buy off the whole DNC. It's not enough to win the nomination, Sanders told the crowd. Hillary Clinton goes into the convention with a lot more delegates. Secretary Clinton has won the Democratic nominating process, and I congratulate her. Yep, she stole it fair and square, shredding a million votes and everything. Yeah, who, who cares, right, Bernie? You got to be a big star for a little while. You got to make the Democratic Party look like they actually were real party having a real primary there was never any question who's going to be the nominee for the democratic party she will be the democratic nominee for president i intend to do everything i can to make sure she's the next president of the united states well you know what and that's funny too because you know if you if you actually go and read some of Bernie Sanders' positions, and then you go and read some of Donald Trump's positions, Bernie Sanders has a lot more common ground with Donald Trump than he does with Hillary Clinton. I know, weird, huh? Well, and it, you know, it speaks to the you know, the uh, criticisms that a lot of neocons and and regular conservatives, you know, real, actual conservatives have said about Donald Trump. Well, gee, we're not so sure he's even a conservative. All right. Maybe he's not. Heck, maybe I'm not. And if you think about it, maybe you're not either. Because what is a true conservative? Would that be somebody who's conservative on every single thing that we can ever make a decision about? I'm conservative. I'm conservative about that. I'm conservative about everything. Everything there is to think about, I'm conservative on. That's a real conservative. Well, I'm not. How about you? Are you? Are you conservative about your liberty? Or do you think your liberty should be liberally applied? Uh Uh-oh. If you think that 
your liberty should be liberally, liberty should be liberally applied. <gasps> you might not be a true conservative. Ooh. Get my point here, folks? There's a lot of decisions in this world, folks. And for anybody to say, well, I'm a conservative on everything. Uh, they're either delusional, mentally ill, or a liar. Okay? So, Donald Trump has some less than conservative points on some things. And Bernie Sanders has some less than communistic views on some things where they come surprisingly close to each other. For instance, Bernie Sanders, Donald Trump, think NAFTA and the free trade situation that the United States is in is disastrous. Hillary Clinton loves NAFTA. She loves the World Trade Organization. She loves globalization. She loves all of those things. And Bernie Sanders is supporting that. Really? Hmm. Meanwhile, in Russia, where they have, like, a real leader, whether you like him or not, you have to admit, he is an actual leader of an actual nation that actually exercises its sovereignty. Wow. What a concept, huh? Russian leader sacks every commander in his Baltic fleet. Do you know why? After they refused to confront Western ships. See, that's what Putin does when his military has been infiltrated by globalists. He fires them. Unlike our Pentagon, who is infested with globalists. Those are not American fighting men that infest the Pentagon. They are globalist infiltrators, usurpers, traitors. That's who runs the Pentagon. Fifty officers, including Vice Admiral Victor Kravchuk, have reportedly been fired. Uh, let's see here. Other Russian news sites also speculated that attempts to cover up a crash between a Russian sub and a Polish boat may have been behind the bloodletting. There's no bloodletting. You know, they, I, you get fired, this is bloodletting? Oh, this is the sun. Never mind. See, that's why. You know, this is like reading out of the National Enquirer. But given the ep uh, endemic nature of corruption and incompetence across the Russian military, Western analysts are scratching their heads as the real reason behind the purge. Now, given the endemic nature of corruption and incompetence, are, are you sure they're not talking about the United States Pentagon? I, I mean, honestly, really, are you are you sure they're not? Because, boy, that sure sounds a lot like the United States Pentagon. Corruption and incompetence? Yeah, that, that, that's sounding a lot like uh, what we got going on. Hmm. 
Oh, but no. It's always the Russian boogeyman. Yeah, the old rust bucket, former superpower, losers, uh, incompetent, corruption, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, except all for the fact that they've got their fifth-generation fighter jet in the air fighting wars. And we can't get our F-35 off the ground. We scrapped the F-22 because it was such an... uh, By the time we got it built, it was obsolete. We got an aircraft carrier sitting there that the ballast is wrong, which means it'll tip over in the ocean when the big waves get around it. The catapults don't work, which means they can't launch any airplanes, which is just as well because the airplane that was designed to be on that new aircraft carrier is the F-35, which doesn't fly. So I guess they don't really need catapults to launch planes that can't fly. But... Don't worry, because the aircraft carrier is not getting out into the ocean with the big waves. It'll tip it over because the navigational system doesn't work, so they can't find their way around. So they won't be going anywhere because, well, even if they could find their way around, the engines don't work. (laughs) Oh, but if they did somehow maybe get a tugboat to pull them out into the ocean or, well... Not that far out. Not where the big waves are because they tip over because of the ballast problem. Well, they'd be a little, um, you know, in danger because, oh, yeah, that's right. You know, the self-defense missile system, they don't work either. So, well, gee golly. I wonder why. Corruption and incompetence? Yeah, let's point our fingers at the Russians. Why don't we? You know, do they have an aircraft carrier like that? Because we do. Man, you thought the Bradley fighting machine or whatever the heck they call that thing was a piece of junk that nobody wanted and it didn't work? Oh, man, wait to get a load of this thing. At least the Bradleys didn't cost a trillion dollars each. You know, I, this this anti-Russian propaganda that we keep hearing is Really, really ludicrous. And the, and what they're building on, and hey, I'm a victim of this. You know, the Cold War, the evil empire. Oh, yes, that's right. Our hero communist president, Ronald Reagan, coined that phrase. So, oh, we got that stuck in our head for the rest of uh, eternity. Yes, the evil empire. Oh, the evil empire. Okay, well, they are not. They, they, these. All right, enough about Russia. I mean, you know, you got to look into it yourself. Here's something that should encourage you: the Black Panther Party says they're going to carry arms in Cleveland if it's legal. Yeah, the Black Panther Party, a Black Power movement will carry firearms for self-defense during rallies in Cleveland ahead of next week's Republican convention. If allowed under Ohio law, the group's chairman said, the plan by the group this weekend comes as police in Cleveland brace for an influx of groups that plan demonstrations before and during the presidential nominating convention. During the attack last week in Dallas that killed five police officers, law enforcement officials said demonstrators carrying rifles led them to initially believe they were under attack by multiple shooters. Several other groups, including some supporters of presumptive Republican presidential 
Donald Trump, have said they will carry weapons in Cleveland. Do you know why they said they'll carry weapons in Cleveland? Because all around the country, wherever Donald Trump is speaking, these black power activist groups, in other words, terrorist groups, are beating up Trump supporters, physically beating them down in the streets. So Trump supporters are now saying, yeah, you know what? I'm bringing a gun. You want to attack me? I'll blow your head off. Oh, but, you know, because the black groups have instigated this by assaulting Trump supporters, for months they've been assaulting Trump supporters. This is what they say. This is a quote. If it is an open state, to carry, if, which they don't even know. You would think a guy speaking, okay, the chairman, you would think the chairman would have somebody do a little research for him to see if Ohio was a open carry state, but he doesn't even know. If it is an open carry state, we will exercise our Second Amendment rights because there are other groups threatening to be there that are threatening to do harm to us. No, they're threatening to do harm to you if you attack them like you have multiple times around the country for months. Yes, they're threatening to defend themselves this time. Hashim Nizka, yeah, he's the chairman of the Black Panther Party. If that state allows us to bear arms, the Panthers and the others who can legally bear arms will bear arms. Uh-huh. Well, you know, this this could get really, really ugly. And I, and I expect it probably will. You know, probably will get ugly. I mean, uh, why wouldn't it? Let's see, you got a bunch of black supremacist groups armed. You got a bunch of people who have decided to defend themselves armed. Hmm, what could go wrong, huh? Well, this is going to be great, right? This is going to be really, 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 like, well. Hey, anybody remember 19, what is it, 68? Was it 1968 in Chicago? They had the Democratic... uh, National Convention there, and, uh, well, things went a little wrong. Yeah. Well, I think we're heading for something like that. But what I'm heading for right now is a break, and then when we come back, we've got some other interesting stuff. So stay tuned, enjoy the break, and I'll see you in a few. Yeah. 
man in town. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific.
This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Steph, and you're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It is still Tuesday, July 12th, 2016, about 844 out here on the Pacific Time Coast. And uh, if all that's true with you, we're live. All right, let's see here. Uh, what do we got? Oh, um... Uh, Now, those of you who watch, you know, TV, you probably have this channel. You know, if you've got cable or satellite, the NASA channel, and they basically have a feed, a live feed, supposedly all the time from the space station up there, except they shut it off because uh, some kind of uh, unidentified object entered Earth's atmosphere. And when that happened... They shut off the feed. Uh, I wonder why. They don't, uh, the whole article really speculates, oh, maybe it was a Chinese thing. Man, maybe. Anyway, here's something a little more down to earth. And, And listen, folks, I'm a big fan of boycotting. And I understand a lot of you are addicted to sports. But I got to tell you, you need to contact your cable company, your television provider, and tell them, I am canceling the NFL channel, the NBA channel, ESPN, all of them. Minnesota Lynx, this is girls' professional basketball. Players did not wear T-shirts supporting the Black Lives Matter movement ahead of Tuesday's game in San Antonio. After four, they were going to, though. Okay? They were going to wear Black Lives Matter, okay, T-shirts in Texas. But they decided not to after four off-duty police officers walked away from security jobs at a Lynx game over the weekend because of the garb. You know what? I don't blame those. You know, I'm not on the side of the police, but I don't blame them. I mean, you know, look, if if I'm working to protect a bunch of people who are wearing shirts supporting a group that wants to kill me, uh, hey, you know, at that point, I don't care who's right and wrong. If I'm in the group that is being targeted... And you're out there wearing shirts to support that group. 
I'm not protecting you, okay? I'm walking out, too. I think that is a proper response. However, listen to this. The shirts worn before Saturday's game in Minneapolis against the Dallas Wings listed the names of two black men fatally shot by police in Minnesota and Louisiana. The shirts also show the Dallas police shield above the phrase, Black Lives Matter. Five officers in Dallas were fatally shot last Thursday by a sniper during a protest over the two slayings. Link's spokeswoman, Ashley Carlson, says the players would not be wearing the BLM clothing in San Antonio. The Lynx organization was made aware about the concerns of the off-duty Minneapolis police officers, the team said, while our players' message mourned the loss of life due to last week's shootings, we respect the right of those individual officers to express their own feelings, their own beliefs in their own way. We continue to urge a constructive discussion about the issues raised by these tragedies. In a statement Tuesday, now listen to this. <laughs> listen to this. Now, I've got to do something right here. And I'll be right back. Just talk amongst yourselves for a second. Okay. In a statement Tuesday, Minneapolis Police Chief Jani Hartu said while the officers were working security on behalf of the Lynx, she expects all officers, quote, to adhere to our core values and to honor their oath of office when wearing a Minneapolis police uniform. Walking off the job and defaulting on their contractual obligation to provide a service to the Lynx does not conform to the expectations held by the public for the uniform uh, these officers wear. Wrong, lady. Wrong, wrong, wrong. I applaud those officers. What the hell kind of police chief is this girl, anyway? These guys are, this is a private deal. They're not acting as police officers, okay? Unless, of course, things have changed and now you're allowed to hire police, the police force to do a little additional. Hey, that's like the mob buying off the cops, right? She ain't got nothing to say about walking off the job and defaulting on their contractual obligation. Wait a minute. Our contract never stated that I was protecting someone supporting a group that is bound and determined to kill me. I'm sorry. Uh, My self-preservation comes before you little contract, and you didn't disclose this to me. Minneapolis Police Federation President Bob Kroll told the Minneapolis Star Tribune he commends the officers. He says they took their names off a list of officers to work future games. On Sunday, the New York Liberty wore similar black t-shirts addressing the recent shootings. Oh, really? So you see, folks, you know what? 
if these leagues are going to be populated by blacks who only black lives matter, then you know what? If you are not black, then you should not support them. Take your money elsewhere. Or are you just you you just so pathetic you have to sit in front of the uh you have to sit in front of the TV and watch black men play games? Is that it? Get a life, man. And this this chick Okay, this chick that is the police chief of Minneapolis looks like a Sarah Palin wannabe, okay? I mean, what kind of place, you know, you know, it's just, it's just, it's insane, all right? Uh, You know why she said this? Because she's just being politically correct, okay? She's just being politically correct. And you know what else? She's a homo. That's right. She's a lesbian. Isn't that swell? Yeah. Unbelievable. What kind of what kind of city council does Minneapolis have that would hire somebody like this? Oh man, it, it's just, you know what? Like somebody in the chat room is saying, buy a rifle, folks. Buy several rifles. Buy a flamethrower, too, while you're at it. I mean, you know what? Get yourself prepared for war, because we're headed there. Either that, or prepare you, prepare to be a victim. Prepare to watch your family die in front of your eyes. Okay? Prepare for that. And, and enjoy your little ESPN and your NFL and your NBA. Enjoy all that stuff. And get prepared to watch your family die in front of your eyes. Or get prepared. Because it's coming, folks. Nobody's going to stop it. If you think Donald Trump's going to ride in on a, on a white horse and save us all, you're mistaken. And it's not because I've got anything against Donald Trump or I don't like Donald Trump or anything like that. I don't care who he is. Honest to honest. Unless you are willing, on January 20th, to march into Washington, D.C. with an army of assassins to get rid of the Congress, to get rid of the Supreme Court, to get rid of every bureaucrat that's in every federal office in that cesspool of a town, unless you're willing to do that, you're not going to change anything. And I don't think Donald Trump's ready to do that. I don't think he's willing to do that. I don't think it's even crossed his mind to do that. But that's the only way one man could go into Washington, D.C. as the elected president and change anything. Hell, Ronald Reagan went in there talking big about, oh, we're going to get rid of the Department of Education. Yeah, yeah, sure. How'd that work out? Oh, it worked out so well, we now have a couple of more federal agencies since Ronald Reagan shot off his big lion mouth. And, hey, for all you Reagan apologists out there, I got to say, you know, the guy gave a great speech. 
Too bad he didn't write any of them. But, you know, he delivered some really great speeches. Too bad they were all BS. Too bad none of his policies actually, you know, had anything to do with anything he said. That's too bad. But, hey, credit where credit's due. He delivered a great speech. Well, in light of the most recent police murders caught on smartphones and, in one case, horrifically live-streamed, it seems there is a caveat to our fears and ubiquitous surveillance. It's not just citizens who are overseen. It's everyone, including police officers who use excessive force. Wait a minute. It's not just citizens. It's everyone, including police officers. So what? Police officers are not citizens anymore? Is that it? Recording police is widely viewed as a way to keep cops accountable. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, how's that working out? How many cops have gone to jail for murder? Huh? How many cops have gone to jail for even involuntary manslaughter? Huh? How many? None. Okay, maybe not none. There's probably one somewhere that I don't know about. But I don't know about anybody. However, a recent patent by our friends at Apple has information rights activists worried that the government is looking for ways to control our mobile devices. (gasps) You think? A recent post by the American Civil Liberties Union openly speculates that government and law enforcement agencies may try to use infrared emitter to turn off phones when citizens film police abuses. In her article... Will Apple's new patent push the lead on ability to record police? Author Nicole A. Ozer discusses the ramifications of a patent Apple finalized in late August U.S. patent number 8,254,902 or apparatus and methods for enforcement of policies upon a wireless device was developed with the ostensible goal of preventing the recording of copyrighted material, such as iPhones recording concerts that are then posted to YouTube. You know, I got to wonder, man, what are these bands' real problem with somebody, you know, posting their concert to YouTube? You think the sound on that little you on that little iPhone is going to be like really great where I'm well now I don't need to buy the CD anymore because boy I got this crappy little microphone recording the whole concert man hey no need to buy the high definition recording from the record company no I've got this crappy little iPhone recorded thing hey, I don't need them anymore sure You think that's really going to happen? You think that's really what they had in mind? Really? And how many of these bands actually record their own concerts and sell them? Hey, here's the DVD pack of all our concerts this year. How many bands do that? So they're not losing any money by me taking my little iPhone and going, Oh, look. (laughs) They're lying. 
However, many are now questioning whether this kind of technology could be used for more nefarious purposes. Earlier this year, we all watched the legal imbroglio between Apple and the FBI over the creation of a backdoor into the iPhone. Despite this public confrontation, the reality is that grandstanding aside, there is a strong symbiotic relationship between the government and tech companies, including Apple. When they flex their draconian might, federal law enforcement agencies virtually always get access to proprietary information or technology, often under the auspices of national security. Do you know why? Because Apple is a corporation. It is creation of the government. When the government says jump, Apple asks how high. Anyway, so... This technology will be a tremendous boon to policemen who shoot unarmed subway riders, despotic armies putting down revolutions, as well as anyone else who is breaking the law or exercising coercive power. This is part of an increasing trend to design hardware and software that allows remote parties to override the instructions of the owners and users of devices. This trend, coupled with the increasing degree to which devices are privy to our secrets, our sensitive information, and even our biological functions, worries me an awful lot. Yeah. But, of course, Apple defends itself as wireless devices such as cellular telephones, pagers, personal media devices, and smartphones become ubiquitous. More and more people are carrying these devices in various social and professional settings. The result is that these wireless devices can often annoy, frustrate, and even threaten people. <laughs> He's got a cell phone. Run for the hills. In sensitive venues, for example, cell phones with loud ringers frequently disrupt meetings, the presentation of movies, religious ceremonies, weddings. Yeah, yeah, blah, blah, blah. It's like what? Oh, so the user's too stupid to turn their ringer off? Really? So Apple's going to come to the rescue of the stupid people that are too dumb to shut off their ringer at a funeral. Or at a meeting. Hey, maybe the boss telling your ass you're fired for letting that thing ring during the meeting. Maybe that would teach them a lesson. Maybe they could learn then, huh? This is, you know, Apple is just lying. And what they did was just, it was grandstanding. And it was probably to cover this to make everybody think, oh, Apple's on our side. Apple looking out for our freedoms. Oh, yeah, they are. Sure they are. Now they've got a uh, a patent that is going to allow the police to shut off your your recording of them as they beat the living crap out of you, and nobody will be able to see him. They'll just say, oh, he fell down. Like the good old days. Remember that? Yeah. He fell down. Repeatedly. He must have been drunk. Of course, we didn't have him tested for that because, well... You know, we know. We just know because we're like experts, you know, because, uh, you know, most cops are alcoholic drunks anyway, so they are experts.